Everybody. I scream that because that is the week of the news. Jet Set Radio. Can we out. can we say hello to people? I first? am that excited about Jet Set Radio coming out to Xbox Live. Uh, wait, wait, who are we? Oh, it is what March third, two thousand twelve. Do you want to say your name, Bill? Uh, my, you did. <laughs> this is Bill. My name's Guillermo. This is Bill. I'm Annie. Welcome to the Boy Hottie Podcast. Yeah, guys. Uh, this is our uh, Mass Effect podcast. Uh, we're going to uh, be talking about Mass Effect in a little bit. Uh, this is actually the first of two different uh, Mass Effect pop uh, podcasts we're going to be doing in the next. Three weeks. This will be our pre-Mass Effect podcast. This is our Mass Effect 1 and 2 podcast. This is our anticipatory Mass oh Effect God, podcast. Oh, God. If you don't podcast. Mass Effect, you don't like video games, holy shit. Sorry. <laughs> Tune back in a month. <laughs> no, listen to the first 45 minutes and then move along your life. Well, you know? Annie and I... Actually, Annie's going to take a break next week because she's uh, recording... Uh, she's going to be playing Mass Effect 3 next week. I'm not going to be so... thinking about... Like, anything that is not playing Mass Well, we Effect. might be doing a special podcast with... Well, me and Dylan might do, like, a Family Man podcast or something next week. That's but then cute. The, with, you guys do whatever you want. I'm going to be saving be the galaxy the from Reapers. But then the week after that, we are going to do a Mass Effect 3 spoiler cast. My cell phone's going to be off. I'm not going to check my emails. Twitter can fuck itself. I'm going to just be... Although, I wonder if you'll actually have Mass Effect 3 beaten by this time next week anyway. You probably will. We'll see. We'll I'm see. not gonna rush through. The first through game, it. I'd be the first I'm gonna game take in like my time. hours. It's gonna be like a fine. Yeah, you do want it. Yeah, it's gonna be like a fine glass of cognac. You just can't go anywhere online for two sip, days until it's done. Take a little sniff. Well, did you see that people are let it air out in my glass, <laughs> swizzle it around? Did you see that people are like spoiling it in like YouTube comments, like for all the trailers wherever you go, like YouTube, I'm not, where the nope, trailers are. Not looking at anything anymore. You know, because the whole plot of Mass Effect Three. Well, we could talk about that. Okay, that's Mass Effect. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for a half an hour. Uh, from now. Um, yeah, so, uh, what'd you do this week? I am freshly back from my vacation. I am furious that I'm here and not still on vacation. Uh, Annie went up to Astoria, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. And I did fuck all there. It was wonderful. But man, yeah, Astoria is best known as the home place of the Goonies. Annie did not go to the Goonie house. Yes, I did not. I went to, here's my little, here's my little bit of shout out. I went to a hotel called the Cannery Pier Hotel. Yeah. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. Astoria... Is right on the mouth of the Columbia River where it meets the ocean. Yeah. So big shipping town, big fishing town. Um, the hotel I stayed at was on a is 600 feet out into the river, um, built on a pier where there was once a cannery. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they're just really nicely designed. They have six-foot cloth of tubs. I took six baths over the course of 48 hours. The big-ass tub. Oh, it was huge. It was wonderful. My oh. wife and I both sat in the tub, tried to watch Downton Abbey. And you're not. That's Whoa, what shit. happened? Oh, could not. Did you watch it? Did you watch the whole first episode? I was 30 minutes into it, and I'm like, I pressed pause it to do something. Slow. And I could not believe that it was only 30 minutes. I was like, how is this not? This felt like hours. Yeah, you see the end of the episode oh. where they find out what happens to the guy with a foot? What he is? Sad. Did you see there was a guy with a foot? No, I know what you're talking He's about. Sad. He's sad. He gets resolution. It was one of those things. I I've watched only the seen show. The first episode. I can't give you shit for not watching. I this. watched I've that show seen. and I was like, "This is this is a show where nothing fucking happens." There, no, you what it was? You saw half of the first episode. No, no, no. That's not really. I got. I got. Fair. No, no, no. I got to the scene with the dude who's like the lord of the house getting chewed out. He's like, you don't care about Downton Abbey. He's like, I've spent my life. 
<laughs> dedicated to the preservation of Downton Abbey. It's like, oh. it is my my third parent and my fourth child. And it is everything oh, to me. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> those are, that's the stakes of this show. I can't Will you be happy it. if the second season, all those characters in the trenches of World War II? Which is, <laughs> World War II would be impressive. World War II. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had like, wheelchair years. ramps. Oh, man. So I was flipping out about Hugo. Yeah. Because Hugo came on Blu-ray this week. Oh, man. Now I can't. I, I just fucked up the joke. Because I was going <laughs> to. Hugo. I guess we're talking about Hugo now. Um, so the movie Hugo came out. It was really beautiful. You should go check it out. It's awesome. It's on Blu-ray this week. It's about this kid in, like, 1929 Paris. Yes. Discovering all this shit about George Maley as the filmmaker. Yes. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm watching it on Blu-ray, I'm thinking, oh, it's so sad. Because it's 1929 Paris, and, like, ten years the Nazis are gonna roll in. And I was like, but what if you find out his last name is Stiglitz? <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> okay. And he goes crazy. You just... Yeah. Created an alternate reality where I'm interested in the movie I Hugo. I want to buy a poster of Hugo and just like put Hugo Stiglitz's oh, face man. onto Hugo's face and just write in parentheses Hugo Stiglitz. Stiglitz. Stig oh, Stiglitz man. being uh, one of the main. Bill is making an Inglorious Bastards joke. Yeah, if you have not seen Inglorious Bastards, you got to check that shit out. But anyway, oh, that's my man. Hugo Inglorious Bastards joke. I like Bastards that joke. joke. Anyway, Let's go back to my vacation. Yeah, Astoria. I had a good time. Dan, it was lovely. <laughs> No, 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 no. I've never felt so fancy in my life. We talked more about Downton Abbey than we talked about your vacation. No, I've never felt so fancy in my life. Yeah. I wrote a letter, and I had it in my hand when I went down to the desk. She was like, oh, well, we'll send that. I was like, holy shit, you're going to stamp it and send it for me. And, like, they, and that, like I, I said, oh, we want to go into this restaurant tonight. You know, and she's like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll make reservations. What? Whoa. And we'll this chauffeur is a you. Re- this is a little hotel, too. It's not yeah. like a big, fancy, like, staying well, up. it's home. a pretty, it's a really nice boutique hotel. It was yeah, really good. Yeah, the pictures look gorgeous. fucking wine tasting. Oh, that's where you did your wine tasting. Yeah. Was it just for it people great. staying at the hotel? Yeah. Was yeah. the wine good? Oh, yeah. Do you really know good wine? Um, I, don't, I don't know wine from shit. Uh, it was delicious. Okay, yeah. Anyway. Dude, was it free or did you have to pay to get in? It was a white tasting, oh, tasting my friend. Did they do that like every week? They do it every day. Uh, every day, five o'clock. It was great. They do that with Coke? They drove me. It, they, 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 there was a vintage restored Cadillac that put, picked us up from the hotel, drove us to Oh, the, is that what that picture was? Yes, that was the Cadillac. that tro- They drove us to our restaurant. And when I was done with my meal, I told the server, I'm staying at the Canary Pier Hotel. He's like, oh, let me call your ride. They came and picked us up and took us home. Oh my god! It, I've never felt so it's decadent like you lived in, in my Men life. For two days. Exactly, I felt like I was in a picture. Oh. It was like a movie. It was wonderful. You next time you go up there, you got to get dressed up like you're like. Uh... Oh, it was no, that's too nice for a story. A story is a tiny little podunk town. No, this is but when you cute. Pre- that's when you go crazy and pretend that you're in like some oh, kind of picture. It was cute. And everyone looks cute. at you like you're crazy, but you got like you know you're dressed like Joan Bancroft. Or I maxed and relaxed. It was wonderful. Yeah, I've you're, never. You're kind of melting right now, just even talking oh, about it. Oh, it was so good. Oh, it was so man. good. I had a sinus infection throughout, but it was okay because mm. I took 16 baths. You know, it really helps submerging yourself in boiling water with a view of the river. Oh, I can imagine. And a you know that beautiful Astoria River with the that Goonies house on the other <laughs> side of the river, and you weep because you didn't go up and see it. That's right. Yeah. Goonies House is nice. Yeah, Goonies House looks just like it does in the original film, because I saw it a couple years ago. Except it's got a big uh, Israeli flag out front for no reason. And there's, like, Israeli literature. Well, and there's you, a reason. It's because they're pro-Israel. It's just weird. It's, Why is it pro-pirates? Why is it pro-Goonies? Anti-golf course. Because it's someone's house. I know it's, it's a weird. person's house. They're, they're missing out on a great money-making uh, opportunity. 
That was weird. No, see, what they are is they're capitalizing on an excellent opportunity to promote the cause of Israel through their Goonie tourism. I know. Man, you go up there expecting Goonie stuff, and you you learn all about the seven-day war. That's amazing. Dude, uh, there were signs everywhere, like, Goonie stuff in stock. Like, oh, it's I'm so sure that's half the town's the, economy yeah, by now. It was, pretty, yeah. it was pretty adorable. There's not much. It's not like they only filmed at the house, and the rest of it was, like, filmed on Canada they Beach. Filmed, they filmed at the uh, the jailhouse that I almost visited. Yeah, which is the now jailhouse the Oregon... The, yeah, home of the film? Oregon Film Museum. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's, only, that's one of those little... Uh, Tiny little jailhouses that's the size of a closet, though. It's not Pretty much. Big. We almost went, but while we were waiting across the street, um, we it's it's right in the parking lot of the actual courthouse. We saw an incredibly inebriated man be escorted into the courthouse for his trial. Um, as his, his probably publicly appointed lawyer was standing on the steps, tapping wow. his foot and staring at his watch. That's a good vacation. And I was just like, let's not go. To it just ruined my vibe. Did so, you do or watch or play anything this week? Um, oh no, you're playing Mass Effect 2. I'm playing well, we Mass Effect 2 in about preparation. that because you lost your Mass Effect yeah. 2 save. And we watched I watched a really good documentary. So good. We watched actually a couple of documentaries, but all the other documentaries we watched were spoiled by how good this one was. Uh-huh. We got um we watched Buck, which is on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Really well shot, really well edited, great little score. Buck is about this dude named Buck Branneman who is a, um, essentially a horse whisperer. That okay. really Real life. Like, I mean, yeah. it's a documentary, yeah. He was one of the consultants for the horse whisperer, and it's all about him and the, um, him basically showing people how to not break horses, but start horses, and yeah. basically approach horses. Like young horses? Horses in general, okay. young or old. And um, he does these classes, like four-day classes, that'll help people get into like a better understanding of their horses. And it explores his history because he had a very troubled childhood. And like, he was a point where he's like talking about, "I was like, I understand horses because I understand what it feels like to be scared for your life." It's yeah. really I can't speak highly enough of it because it's just I'm not a big horse person. That's some life on the streets, shit. but it was amazing. It okay. was so well shot, so well filmed, really well done. And then we watched every all the, every other documentary we watched was crap in comparison. Did you see uh, Being Elmo? Yeah, it's not very good. It's cute. It's really bad after you just watched Buck. It, I thought it was totally Buck's that good about a Buck horse. Buck is that good. Bucket, no, it's mostly like how it was filmed and how it was edited and how they built that story from the interviews. I'll have to watch They that. had to bring in Whoopi Goldberg to fill in the gaps of the stuff he couldn't talk about. They never even meant, oh, I have an ex-wife. What? Like, there's whole... The dude is so private in Being Elmo. Oh, I think you the horse whisperer. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Kevin Clash. Oh, yeah. I really liked Being Elmo, and as a, as a Muppets nerd, it was great. I was just surprised it was on there, because it only came out, like, in theaters, like, six months ago. It's a really Being Elmo is very good, but in comparison to Buck, it was really bad. We watched... We tried to watch... We watched all of Being Elmo, and we watched a little bit of the, the Doll Sassoon movie. And they were both, like... Shut your mouth. They are both just so, like, not as good as Buck. Well, documentaries are only interesting as their subject matter. Not necessarily. It all depends on how it's presented. Uh, Like, you can have a really boring subject that's filmed and edited really well and it becomes fascinating. Ken Burns' documentary on the World War II. On the war. Not that other World War II. Was it called The War? Boring as balls. I tried to watch that. I watched the first three hours and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? I love the Civil War. I love baseball. I don't even give a shit. Well, now I'm totally negating my own point, which. Baseball. I, I don't give a shit about baseball, but that's that's a great documentary. Oh, really? That's why. And like the way that I got into football was through NFL films because they yeah, make really good, awesome. dude. A good documentary. That, guy, that voice guy. Yeah. Dang. And the music. It's the all football. about Buck was so good because it was everything was perfect. <sighs> Is this a new like, documentary? Good, well, yeah, I guess it must be because it was the new. guy yeah. in that movie. It's just it's pretty recent. It's like within the last year or two. I have to watch Buck. It's really good. 
Everybody watch Buck. It's on Netflix. It's great. Okay. It makes other, do- and, but it spoiled me because then I watched any other documentary. I was like, oh man, and this is done as well. you wouldn't have thought about being Elmo if you hadn't been. See, that's watched. the thing. If I had, I not, I'm not just about being Elmo because it's not like Buck. that amazing either. Being Elmo, I thought it was good. About the Muppets is going to make me happy though. It, it was really, I mean, it was an inter- interesting story, but it was very clearly told in the context of like, like. You got the vibe that this dude got final say to some degree. Oh yeah, he seems like he's like one of the producers. Yeah, he's not just the subject matter, which is always weird. Like, like it was the same thing to the Vidal Sassoon documentary because I didn't know. I really liked the trailer for it. It looked like it was well edited, but um, no, it's like the whole movie is like done as like it's like a conversation between Vidal Sassoon and this guy who's like the founder of Bumble and Bumble products, and it's just like and so it's like this holy crazy self glorification. Is Vidal Sassoon like a really old guy? He's I didn't realize that was like actually a human being. Yeah. It's like you found out, like, Mr. It, it was interesting. You found out there was a guy named Kleenex. But it was so self-glorifying. It was awful. It was, just, soon. it was really, I mean, it's, it was, I mean, it's an interesting period of time and it's an interesting thing, but yeah. it was like, it was weird. And Buck was so good. <laughs> it's, that's the problem. Don't watch Buck and then watch any other what's, documentary. What's the bestiality documentary that's oh, on Oh, I don't want to know. Oh, that's, know. What, that's about the people who died on the farm up in Washington. Oh, you ever heard about this? No, I know so about this. Crushed by like a horse. Yes, There's a I documentary about, about it on Netflix. It's fucking terrible. I walked in the last five minutes of it, and Jojo was sitting there watching it. He looked like he was about to die because it was oh, just God. so slow, and he was just like, "I was like, what the fuck are you watching?" Because it was a lot of like up close, like slow motion shots of sad Ooh, what horse are they gonna eyeball. Do? What are you gonna show? Then it's another guy who's so sad because his like daughter died because she got crushed by a horse she was fucking. Uh, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" He was like, "It's a bestiality documentary." <laughs> And I'm like, I don't want to watch this. And he just shut it off without, yeah, it was just, uh... anyway. Watch Buck. Buck is really good. And it's one of those documentaries that even though the subject matter at times is very sad, it makes you ultimately optimistic. My name is Buck and I like to fuck horses. <laughs> How are you doing, Bill? How was your week? I'm just week? making lots of Quentin Tarantino jokes. I know, Bill. What'd I do this week? Oh, uh, oh man. I've been playing the shit out of SXX. SSX. I can never say that right. Um, it's a snowboarding game. Yes, I know what Man, SSX is. I was going to ask if you wouldn't want to borrow, but you're so busy uh, beating Mass Effect 2 yeah. before Mass Effect 3 Oh, you already up. purchased the game? Yeah. I had $20 in credit from whatever the hell the last thing I bought before Christmas was on yeah. Amazon, so it was a $40 purchase. Yeah. And everyone was flipping out about it. It's fucking awesome. I downloaded the demo. It seemed cute. It's fun. Oh, that's right, because I like sent you that notice on Xbox Live saying, hey, Annie, use your butt to download this game from EA Games or whatever. But no, it's, it's really cool. It, it's like... Well, I used to be a big fan of the Tony Hawk games back in the day, the first couple Tony Hawk games. Kind of like for the same reason you're into Prince of Persia, because you like uh, parkour and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Tony Hawk is essentially just, like, Prince of Persia parkour stuff, except you're on a skateboard rather yeah. than just, like, jumping up and stuff with your hands. And the snowboarding stuff, it's really great. In SXX, you're racing, like, huge-ass mountains. Yeah. And a- there's avalanches, and you're uh, grinding on uh, on big oil pipelines, and just the sheer uh, sense of scale of being on this, uh, these huge mountain ranges and... The, the backgrounds are really pretty because, like, sometimes you'll be, like, snowboarding at sunset down a giant mountain in the Alps, mm-hmm. or you'll be snowboarding down, like, giant thing in, 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 like, New Zealand at night or something. It's just really pretty. Yeah. But it's also really fun because you're doing popping tricks and wheelies and shit like yeah. that. No, it's, it's, it's really cool. The best part about the game, though, is they have this, like, asynchronous multiplayer component mm-hmm. where instead of racing head-to-head with people on your friends list on Xbox Live... Uh, your scores just get posted against your friends' scores, and so you're always trying to top each other. Right. And uh, you could also leave markers in the world, and the longer uh, your marker stays in the world without someone else collecting it, you get extra money in the game. Just mm. lots of great, like, yeah. multiplayer stuff. It seems stuff. like a smartly designed game. Yeah. 
And so I've been canvassing on, on Twitter for people to not play the game with me, but people to become my friends so I have other people to, like, try to beat their scores. Because, like, I don't know too many people on Xbox Live who have actually bought the game. Because it's a snowboarding game. Who gives a shit? But I've been having a fucking crazy amount of fun with that game. Good. More than I thought, even when I bought it. So. Yeah. It was definitely uh, worthwhile. If, if 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 you can say a forty dollar snowboarding game can be worth it, that is worth it. Let's put it that way. That's what a backhanded compliment! I'm just saying it's good. If you can say a sports game is, is worth your time, I can't the, imagine anyone actually plays sports. This games. is the first sports game I bought since what's what Madden when Foley and I wanted on copies of Madden like what four years ago. I'm just saying. You're I don't dirty. buy a lot of sports games. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, no, and yeah, watching Hugo. Man, Hugo's pretty. It does, man, it totally loses its shit, though. It's a pretty movie, but in 3D it was so good. It's made me sad on 2D. You can't see the shit. I'm starting to sound like Tom Hattenford. It's because he's telling Tom Hattenford. No! <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, Hugo is known as one of being one of the best 3D movies ever made, because Martin Scorsese, he got the guy from who was kind of in, in charge of the stereoscopic cinematography, I think from Avatar. And they just plotted every shot in the movie. It was really designed for 3D, which uh, in 2D gets a little ridiculous because there's oh, a yeah. lot of things where, like, someone's foot is sticking out, of, like, like really kind of, like, out of camera or whatever. But uh, but it's really weird to see how it how it works in 2D with the loss of 3D because there's little bits, like, there's this uh, bit at the beginning of Hugo where uh, this character Hugo... Uh, is in this clock tower. He's, he's uh, oiling up the, the gears on this clock. And in the film, there's this shot where it's completely static and you just have this big round gear that he's oiling right in the middle of the camera, or right in the middle of the shot. And in the 3D version, you can tell, like, the there's this rod sticking out of the middle of the gear and with this end plate, like, sticking, like, kind of, like, out of the screen. And, like, the, 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 the shot's not moving. It's a completely static shot, but it's just the way the 3D works. It's just kind of interesting... To have this like middle thing sticking out of the, mm-hmm. the the shot in two D, you don't even notice that it's supposed to be anything. It looks like it's something that's flat up against the the the, yeah. the, the middle of the gear. Yeah, and it's kind of like, oh man, that's kind of sad. You kind of lose that kind of kooky little effect. But uh, no, it's it's really pretty though. It's if, if buy a three D TV bill, problem yeah. solved. Boom, man. That is the one movie that would kind of if I had the money, I might consider just for our archival uh, worth. Just getting that, just that for Hugo, because it's so nice in 3D. I'm just saying. That's also really pretty. It's one of the few Martin Scorsese movies that don't drive me crazy. Because <laughs> he does, he, he does he, good movies. He, he likes he making is, films. But it's definitely, it's it's definitely in the Aviator, Gangs of New York, and think about Martin tier Scorsese, of Martin always Scorsese trying movies, to do where something. it's good, it's not great, but it's entertaining, even though it's kind of retarded. I think the aviator is great. No, you think so? Yes, I, I love think it. it is I love great. it. I don't know if I could. I like, would use the word great. Yeah, I need to see that again. I like, but he does this thing know. where he like he can totally tell it's Martin Scorsese because half oh, the yeah. movie is all just teal. <laughs> and it's just like wow, he just reused the same no. color palette from the from the first half of the aviator You're too. A jerk. It's not a bad thing. Well, yeah, no. So that's Hugo's good times. And uh, the only other thing I did uh, this week was man, I had something to say about Hugo. I don't want to talk about the plot too much about Hugo, because I went in without knowing anything about the plot, and that's what I liked so much about it. It really surprised me. Although, enough people have talked about Hugo that I'm sure people have been spoiled. I didn't realize that was a huge bomb, too. Oh, did it? Supposedly, the huh. budget for Hugo was like the 150 to $170 million, only made, only made like $70 million. Oh, like really? Made like, like, like maybe a third of its budget back. Oh, wow. Because that sucks. Hmm. But, anyway... 
Uh, but the other thing I've been uh, doing this week is there's a book that came out called Farewell Titanic. Um, it's a book by Charles Pellegrino. Charles Pellegrino is the scientist guy who he has written two other books about the Titanic. But he's a scientist. He works at a think tank for NASA. Uh, he's a scientist before he was ever an author. And the reason he got into the Titanic, because in the mid-80s, he was part of a NASA program to figure out how they could send probes to, like, the moons of, like, Jupiter and other planets in the solar system to send a probe that could land on a ice-covered moon and sink down, like, use the nuclear heat from that probe's engines to sink down through the ice into what they assumed would be the liquid oceans beneath that ice to find uh, extraterrestrial life. And, uh, which they've proven that, that that seems to actually be what's out there in the 20 years since this guy was part of the think tank trying to figure out how to explore those, uh, moons. But anyway, so, in trying to figure out how they were going to send, like, what kind of technology they would have to send to explore these oceans on other planets in the solar system, or on these moons, um, he got to talking to the guys who found the Titanic back in the 80s. And uh, by talking to those guys, you know, because they, they were using all kinds of crazy high-tech equipment to look for the Titanic and stuff like that. And he figured, well, we can use this tech to send it off to Ganymede or something like that. And so by well, talking to those guys right after they found the Titanic, he got into the Titanic. And uh, so he started writing these crazy, super soulful, but, like, also, this book's going to be about the Titanic, but it's also going to be about, like, underwater biology kind of books. They're, they're not, they're, 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 they're 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 non-fiction books but they're really weird and he just came out with his last one that just came out this week because the 100th anniversary of the titanic sinking is is the next month and uh this this guy cracks me up too he got busted his last book about hiroshima turns out some of the sources for that book were fake oh really he got in some trouble oh this guy's he's really smart he's a scientist guy but turns out he's kind of made up some shit about his books in the past his phd that makes him a doctorate a doctor scientist guy Turns out he doesn't actually have one. Really? He lied about it. This guy, he studied for a PhD, like, in the 70s at, like, the University of New Zealand. And after it found out this book of Hiroshima, like, some of the shit got fudged, um, people started looking at what the rest of his background. Turns out he lied about ever... He, uh, had gone to school in New Zealand to get this PhD, but, like, he fucked up his thesis, so they didn't give him the PhD. So he just went out, after he left that school, he just told everyone he had a PhD anyway. And he worked for, like, 40 years without anyone questioning this until this book came out, like, two years ago. Yeah? And so I love this guy's a bullshitter, but he writes great books. So I don't know how much of the shit, is, like, of the All science or anything he writes about is bullshitters real. is that they be good bullshitters. Yeah. Boom. I know, but he makes, being a bullshitter makes him a really good writer, because he's really imaginative. Yeah. But... You, you, you have no idea how much any of these nonfiction books that he's written are actually real. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, he just came up with a book about Titanic, which is half uh, recounting um, the stories of so, some of the uh, lesser-known people in the Titanic crossed with the science of underwater biology and exploration and how Titanic's turning into this underwater reef and stuff. It's interesting, but it's very niche, to say the least. But I like that guy, Charles Pellegrino. He's crazy. Read his books, but don't believe anything he says. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's what I did. Th- that's what I did this week. Yeah, yeah, Charles Pellegrino. <laughs> love him. Good times. Yes, I love people who lie their asses off and just say "fuck it." I got busted. I don't know. <laughs> uh, All yeah. right, so that was our lives. Let's move on to the Geek Week in review. Yeah, Bill, what's your number one thing this week? Jet Set Radio is coming out next Xbox Live. Oh uh, man, so you never played Jet Set Radio? Nope. Dreamcast game. Uh, Jet, yeah, Jet Set Radio was a Dreamcast game where you uh, went around s- 
Right. It was you, skating and graffiti. Yeah, you just spray painted graffiti all the yeah. place. I it's one of the most it. beloved games from the Dreamcast era. And yeah, they just announced it's coming out on Xbox Live. The reason I like it so much, uh, well, it's one of the first cel shaded games ever, so it had really unique yeah. graphics. And it was really colorful and really fun. Didn't it have a really like memorable soundtrack? That's the best thing about it. That soundtrack is Are they going to be able to license? They have not said anything about it, so everyone's kind of assuming the worst, where it's like... Because, well, they just came Man, out with... Man, music uh, licenses kill everything. Crazy Taxi... Well, the Sega just came out with uh, Crazy Taxi for Xbox yeah. Live, like, last year. And that that was also known for its... Not, yeah. That's super amazing soundtrack, well, but no, it had, like, but it had a very distinctive sound. Yeah. Very distinctive. Yeah, that was very memorable for that game. And yeah. they couldn't license any of those songs again. That makes me so sad. And they also had to take out the product placement, which is kind of funny in that game, because yeah. you had to race, like, you'd have people jump in the back of your taxi saying, take me to KFC. Yeah. And they changed it to generic Chicken Hut or something yeah. like that for the Xbox Live version. But yeah, so everyone's waiting to see if, if they don't have music at Jet Grind Radio, that's half the reason to play the game. And if yeah. it's not in there... Oh, you think, although, it's like all the musicians for that game are all, like, Japanese DJs and indie little indie punk groups. They still like, need their money, honey. I know. They're well, still yeah, represented by anything, weird global Might be harder to get track of those guys to sign them up for an Xbox Live release. If, you know, their band broke up ten years ago, who the hell are you going to talk to about getting, you know, getting uh, music clearances for that shit? So anyway, so that's that Jet Set Radio. The thing I'm most excited about that happened yeah! in the last days is all the leaks that have started springing for Assassin's Creed 3. Oh, did you see leaks? Oh, did you see the screenshots? Did, oh, no, it's confirmed. It's not even just leaks anymore. No, 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 no I know, but did you see the screenshots? I mean, oh, yeah. Ubisoft released the cover art. Takes place in uh, modern-day Mexico. <laughs> It's weird. It's they basically just took what was that fucking terrible brother like Juarez bound yeah, blood game? <laughs> just did that. <laughs> they just reskinned it. No, um, uh, it sets, sets place in the American Revolution. I am officially excited about this game. I wasn't. I was kind of lukewarm about the idea of even playing another Assassin's Creed this year. Yeah, but I guess this is what they were working on when they shoved out that piece of shit that you had started playing. <laughs> Which I still Revelations. have not been. I know, yeah. No, what, I'm, sometime in what I'm most intrigued about is that it seems to me like this is a direct response to Red Dead. You think so? Well, there's a there's one screenshot that had me most... Well, because my first thought was, fuck. You know, granted, if they said it in Boston or wherever, like, there were buildings there, there was, like, a, a One city. of the cities is a port city, so maybe I'm really Boston. curious about the open... There was an implication of a little bit of open-worldness. They, they showed him out, like, out in the middle of a forest. Yeah, one man, of the screenshots is nice. him hunting an, a deer. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And it's like, man... If they didn't take a cue from Red Dead, they're fucking crazy. Because Red, Red Dead sold so many goddamn copies, yeah. would be not... Entirely unlike what you could do with an oh yeah. man. like a Red Dead world, but with oh. an, an Assassin's Creed city. I would accept smaller cities. That's fine. That's maybe yeah. I mean, it, is, it well, makes the cities sense. in Red Dead exactly. were tiny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, bigger than the cities in Red Dead, but, but like, still. But that's it. You you could only you could have like three medium sized cities. Yeah. Oh shit. So I'm hoping it is. You could be running American from like Boston to, to Concord to like Philadelphia or something. Yeah. People have been assuming that you play as a Native American character, which would be cool. It'd be cool not to be a white guy, but I'm looking at the screenshots and I'm like, that could be just a white guy in a Native American dress. Well, yeah. Well, I like some people are like, oh, this guy looks like Wes Studi. You can only tell like a little bit from his nose and his chin. I had someone on Tumblr like going, oh, looks like he's an African American. That'd be so great. I'm like, no, sweetheart, it's gonna be another white dude. It's gonna be another white dude. You know what? I'm betting it's gonna be half half Indian, half American. So there's kind of like because there's no way they're gonna actually have a whole they're Native just gonna American take, guy. They're just gonna reskin the protagonist from Gun. Just call it good. That's it. God, was that what? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, everyone forgot about Gun. I remembered Gun. It's gonna be Kevin Costner. I tried to show my wife Gun after we beat Red Dead because like, oh, it's, Gun is oh, great. Oh, it's so not oh, the same Gun thing. It's really bad. Anyway, um, no. but yeah, no, I'm. A, I, 
what? You know, I'm I wanted so bad for it to be a lady. I know it's never gonna be a lady. I'm gonna be holding my breath forever. They're gonna have to do so. I think after no, three not. dudes after this, why no, not go back to jump back to Egypt and have a to be fucking that? it's a fucking it's confirmed at least if they do Egypt then have to be a lady because that's what they showed in the statues in a Dude, Creed oh, they're good. You have to observe the canon for I'm your first saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but still, I, though, cool though. I am. I yeah. Did you see the cover? Com- the, the the box is painted by Alex Ross. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, that, they... that is an Alex Ross piece, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, huh. once you see it, you kind of yeah. can tell. But um... anyway, yeah. So Sense of Dream. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. If I sound at all not pumped, it's only because I really want to be a lady. I want to be a lady. Maybe <sighs> maybe maybe wait. Who is John Adams' wife? Abigail. Adams? Maybe you can play hers. For <laughs> Remember the women, women, John. Say she's uh, getting. She, All the women will remember you. What is that she's making for everybody? Salt Peter. Salt Peter, John. There's a Salt Peter making. Hey, everybody, this game. is the part of the Boy Howdy podcast where we start making 1776 jokes. Oh, man, you know when we do our Assassin's Creed 3 podcast in We're just October? Gonna use... It's going to be wall to wall 1776 music. William Daniels. Oh, man. Um. So yeah, so, no, it came out. Yeah. The exciting, other exciting news this week is that they did announce the release date for the Bioshock Infinite, which yeah, will October be October sixteenth. Yeah. And I am not going. I'm going to try to spend between now and October sixteenth not learning anything else. So about Assassin's Creed Three and uh, Bioshock Infinite both come out within like a week, or, week or yeah. two of each other. They're both late October, which yeah, it's gonna be all America. Fuck yeah, that those two weeks <sighs> and Bioshock. Game. So with Bioshock. the whole with the whole explosion that happened with Heplergate and all that whole thing about um uh. Not having, like, the idea of skippable combat and all that stuff. I was talking with some friends, and we said this sentence, and I can't stop thinking about it for how much I want it to be real. Bioshock without combat. What the hell would you do? Just hack? Just, see, no, it's like, okay, basically Bioshock with missed gameplay. That's all I want. Oh, just environment exploration. Yeah, because I it's really... It's kind of halfway there with all the, like, no, the logs but, you're picking no. up. No, see, you say that. Oh, it's halfway there. I, I'm talking to you. I am the gamer who wants this because I can't replay Bioshock because I'm not any good at combat. I'm going to make my wife play it because yeah. all I want to do, I can give two shits about, oh, I can start a trap. No, 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 I don't care. I just want to go look around. I want to find wonder, all the logs. I wonder if and look at everything. Again. Matt, if 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 the optional difficulty in Mass Effect Three would if if that turns out to be successful enough, I wonder if Ken Levine would have enough time to implement anything even remotely oh, like no. that. Oh for... no, that's not their. Well, focus. They, there's a, isn't there a super crazy hardcore mode in that's Bioshock? That's different. Infinite? That no, is I'm just different. Saying, what if they did something that even just like lets you like. I would pay, uh-huh. like, I'm not even kidding. An easy mode wouldn't that be that hard to implement. Though. I would pay 10 bucks for DLC. I'm not saying. Where, if I could, where I could just put the game on autopilot during a combat sequence. It's within his best interest, though, to make that game as accessible to, accessible to as many people as possible. I'm sure mm. there's going to be at least some kind of an easy mode in there. It's mm. not going to be what that's, you're talking about where it just removes about. the combat. Because I don't want, I don't care about the combat in these games. Combats for me, is an impediment between me and the game. Yeah. Because he talks about, oh, you know, you can jump on the rails and they'll jump on and that shit. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. And I can totally, I know why it's there and I know that appeals to someone like you, but I look at that and I get intimidated by it and I feel like, but I just want to know what happens. That's fine, that's fine. I just want to see it. Man, Bioshock missed. Ever since you I just said want that game delivered to you on a DVD that you just play on on, on your DVD no, player. No, I want to oh. be able to explore and ah. talk to people and trigger dialogue and shit. I just don't want to have to. If I fuck up, I don't want to like have to die fifteen times. Man, do we need? I, we don't have to talk about fucking 
what's the shit about the fighting game community this week? I've not read any of those articles. I was on vacation. I refuse. You're not, not missing anything. It is fucking decrepit and stupid. I'm the, not the counterattack shit or whatever the hell that is. I'm, I don't. I'm not it familiar is, with any of it. Imagine what you think what would happen when a lady gets onto a fighting game team oh. and there's a live stream and one of the sexist oh, guys. No. It just gets. It was oh, nasty. Yeah. God. And this is at a Capcom sponsored event too. Seriously. Yeah. No one stepped in to help this lady. It was fucking. Ridiculous. You're not. You you read about it on your spare time or don't. You're not gonna be enlightened in any way. Why is it the two communities I'm kind of tapped into are gaming? And comics. Yeah. What kind of self-hating idiot Well, you did dabble in rapists <laughs> Seriously, and I may clan as well. members for exactly. a while. Exactly. It's like, I may as well for all the happiness is oh going to bring me. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's talk about happier things. Like, that Journey keeps getting amazing reviews on the Gaming Express. And that comes out in two weeks. Oh, man. Less than two weeks. Journey, no, journey, it'll come, journey, come out a week from Tuesday. Journey, 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 journey. I was trying to explain to Dylan what that is. Because you know what? Seen, I did done fan art for those guys. But, yeah, no, I'm glad to hear... I have not seen a review. I've read like three or four reviews for Journey. Well, I've not re- not really in depth read read them because skim them because I want to be surprised by the game. Yeah, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh my god, popping boners!" I can't wait. Glad oh. to see it's got good good gameplay. Supposedly, I hope that it it gets. I hope it does crazy well because I want that game company to make some mad bank. Well, do you see? Supposedly, their contract with Sony has ended, and now they can go off and make games for other people now. I'll be curious to see what they do next. Well, Dylan was asking. She had seen footage from Journey, and she was like, oh, that's really pretty. Can I play it on anything I own? I was like, no, it's PlayStation 3 exclusive. And she was like, what? Yeah. Especially that being an online heavy game. What's the other option for you? It's not going to be on the Mac. I know. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm in the same position. I don't know. I'm thinking about getting a computer just so I can play fucking Dear Esther and shit like that, you know? Just get, man, you should just get Windows and do, like, the boot camp thing. I could do that. I keep forgetting that. That's an easier solution. Granted, that's still, like, a multi-hundred dollar solution because you have to buy the, yeah, anyway. Um, John McCormack, the guy who's responsible for all the great artwork in the Fable games, is leaving Lionhead with a bunch of other Fable folks to found another studio. And hopefully make a good Fable game. <laughs> like say, his artwork was some of the be- my favorite oh, parts yeah. of Fable. Yeah. Like, whenever, like, uh, when Fable 2 and 3 were being uh, announced, like, it was his artwork that was really kind of splashed everywhere. Yeah. And I know people really dog Fable for its, like, really kind of clompy Western character design. I stuff. love but it so much. But at least his illustrations are so fantastic. Yeah. And, like, with the fat, nasty prostitutes and yeah. kind of the grievely little His character design is the closest I've seen to what how I draw in yeah. gaming. And I enjoy it so it's much. It's very, like, that guy could be a comic book artist or something. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, it's it's got a lot of character, which you don't see in a lot of uh, concept art. I'm games. really curious seeing what they do in three or four years. Uh, oh, these guys, not, yeah. not Lionhead. Oh, Head. no. So that pretty Lionhead. much puts death nail on, on uh, Well, no. On Fable 4? Well, dude, it sounds like we're getting okay. a Fable 4 anytime soon. Here's the soon. thing. Any excitement anyone had for Fable 4 is pretty much killed by Fable 3. Who liked... Did anyone actually enjoy Fable 3? No. You know, I just realized. Uh, did you see that supposedly they were... Man, this is so much video game talk. Did you see supposedly they were talking about how... I guess it has been confirmed that Halo 4 is a launch title. Or uh, Halo 4 is an Xbox 360 game, which pretty much put, uh, skewers... Uh, any talk of uh, a new Xbox coming out this year. Yeah. Because if they were going to launch a new Xbox stupid. this year, it you would guys, be with Halo 4. Everybody's like, new Xbox? New... No, dude. I think it could have been possible. Uh-uh. I wasn't convinced, but it could have been possible. I will be shocked if it's next year. Really? No, yeah. it'll be next year at least. I, will, I, would, I would see them announcing it next year and not having it come to fruition until 2014. In... This Psycho Man, it just keeps going on. They have no... Who, who, how are they going to convince anybody to buy a new console? Like, the nerds will say, oh, better graphics. And the devs will say, you know, we can have this power PC. Nah. How are you going to sell that to the common man? Seriously, what are you going to do? Nah. Blu-ray. It'll sell. 
Well, I know it will sell, motherfucker. I'm just saying, what are you going to do? What's your new pretty? It is Blu-ray. It's going to be prettier graphics. Maybe, like, connect functionality, too. Yeah. You could just take your connect and plug it in the new system. You don't have to go buy a new one. That's, that's not that's not as an incentive. That's a, not your old shit ain't broken. I'm not saying it makes you happy, but I'm just saying oh, that's no, no, what's no, no, going to no. happen. No, it'll I know. be announced it'll at be... next year's E3. It'll be on store shelves like four months later. I don't know, man. And we will be playing Assassin's Creed 4 on it as well. <laughs> um, as you start as a guy in 1930 Chicago, I guess, or some shit. Um, oh, you really love this next piece of news. This is your favorite what is Game Center CX? Oh, you've never seen the Game no, Center CX? No, I'm not CX? familiar with this at all. Um, Game Center CX is a Japanese uh, show where they get this guy to play old uh, video games from, like, the 80s. Okay. And he's terrible at video games. And he's not, like, he has to beat the games. It's not like he's allowed to play it for five minutes and go, oh, that was a shitty game. Yeah. Like, he has to beat these really fucking hard games. A lot of games I've never beaten back in the day. Yeah. And so, it's you know, I think it's like about an hour long each episode. And so, yeah, it's him just going crazy trying to beat these games and usually failing most of the time. But, like, he'll start failing and fucking up. The guy, the main star is super cute. He's, his name is, like, Arino. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, this really nerdy little guy. But he's, like, really, he's part of a comedy duo in Japan. So, he's okay. actually, he knows to be funny. He's not just some, some, some schmuck they brought in off the street. But, uh... So this show uh, the, uh, it has been announced. They are releasing it on DVD in the United States, courtesy of a company called Discotech. Mm-hmm. Uh, these will be the 12 episodes that Kotaku aired last year. And, uh... Oh, man! And so his 40th birthday was last weekend, and so they did a live cast episode where he's trying to beat pilot wings and failing oh, seriously? miserably. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because when he gets fucked up, he'll bring in, like, the assistant director. He'll come in and kind of take over him for a little bit. Yeah. Or, like, for pilot wings, someone brought out a big map of the uh, pilot wings world. Yeah. To kind of like with a little model airplane to show how he should fly through all the rings and stuff like in real life. Yeah. Like, like planning like 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 almost like a military mission or something. That's like that. adorable. That's very cute. Um, yeah, no. Well, that get, that also spawned a Nintendo DS game called Retro Game Challenge, which is a whole bunch of little uh, fake mini games from mm-hmm. the 1980s kind of turned into one big DS game where you have to beat all this. It's good. Game Center CX. Torrent the shit out of that. <laughs> I don't know. Buy the so Buy it legitimately. Well, that's way, like, this yeah. show's been on for like six or seven years, but you can never watch it in the United States legitimately yeah. until Kotaku did it. Now this DVDs. But yeah, no, it's very cute. Game Center CX. Watch it. What else? Uh, the other nerd thing that came out this week. So Peter Whalen's TED Talks from 20, uh, 2023. Did you see this? And I didn't watch it. So so the backstory is this is a TED Talk given by a character from Ridley Scott's upcoming not-a-alien prequel, Prometheus. Yeah. And uh, Peter Whelan played by... Uh, uh, Guy Pearce, Memento. Right? Memento. Yeah. Uh, the Nazi lover from King's Speech. <laughs> played by... Oh, that's right! I forgot about that yeah. piece of shit! I did played watch King's Speech on my vacation. Confidential. <laughs> like Confidential. Because cable television is a blight, and we were oh, like, "Oh, you watched it on vacation?" Yeah, I did. I was like, "Fine." No, no, oh, it's a great movie. Fuck yeah. yourself. Go fuck yourself. No, but uh, when, when we were on vacation, we're like, "Let's oh, watch it's cable." Got face. Nothing was on cable. It's got. Uh, we so we watched the tail end of the. It's King's got Beach. Mr. Darcy in it. You yes, love it's Mr. got Darcy. Colin Firth, my boyfriend. That was actually the movie that made my wife go, "Okay, I see why Colin Firth is hot." So you changed. It was it was in, King's Speech. In your heart, he's Colin first. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, and that's my, actually my favorite Helena Bonham Carter performance. Oh, she's good in that too. She's but great. she's like she's a milk toast normal human being. She's not like being all. <laughs> that's why I like. <laughs> she's not a milk. Fuck yourself. Anyway, so this is I have not watched <laughs> this. This is the character from. I'm really relaxed on my vacation. I'm ready to fight. <laughs> 
No, so this is a character from Prometheus. I guess so, but this clip is not in the movie. Like they came out no, and clarified. This is a... this is essentially just a glorified, not even a trailer, but just a PR thing they did for the the movie. Yeah, it's him just uh, talking about how um, Icarus stole fire. Prometheus did the monkey something something. We have to go to Mars to get it back. Something I don't know. He just <laughs> what's the Prometheus legend? Prometheus. Prometheus stole fire from, from the gods. The gods, yeah, and gave it to man. And he talked about he's going to do that by uh, sponsoring, like, missions to outer space to find. And that's why Peter Whalen will be chained to a rock and have his liver eaten, uh, his liver eaten by a... Uh, yeah, he mentioned that. You should watch that. It's okay. great. It's only like a minute and a half Well, apparently long. this is also the connection to Alien. Like, he says, the only connection to Alien. Oh, movie. no, in, in the Aliens movies, they're always uh, struggling against the company, which funds, like... The com- they're the company that everyone's working for in the aliens. Yeah, is, is the way it's Waylon Utani. Yeah. yeah, so everyone's waiting to see who, who's going to play Utani in the movie. Yeah, um, if Utani shows up. Um, Edgar Wright's next movie is supposed to be a Kolchak the Night Stalker movie starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> didn't they try to make a Kolchak the Night Stalker TV show reboot yeah, a couple like years ago? Yeah, years ago. And it didn't seen... do well? No. Oh, this is the extent of why I know about Kolchak the Night Stalker. It's X-Files. It inspired the X-Files. Yeah. That is the extent of what I know. Wait, no, no, the protagonist is a bald guy. Bald guy. No, it's Darren McGavin. He's the dad from A Christmas Story, which you don't know because you don't bald? know A Christmas Story. No. no. Wait, maybe he was bald and wearing a toupee. Maybe. Yeah, know. anyway, so this is like from the mid-70s. It was a... Well, Kolchak the Night Soccer only lasted like a season or two, I think. But yeah, it's just about this guy just investigating mysteries, like supernatural mysteries, just like the X-Files, except he didn't have a hot redhead. I'm going all... <laughs> Mulder! Wait, who's Mulder and who's Scully? Seriously? What would she say? Mulder! Because she had kind of a weird talk. She had like a jaw like... What are you talking about? You're not. I'm redheaded. Everyone's you're not talking my shit tits on the about Scully. No, right she was now. hot. I'm just saying no, no, she no. had a weird way of no, talking. Bill, Bill. She was talking like she Bill was trying to get something out of her she, teeth. No, she wasn't fucked up. She was hot. I'm gonna beat the shit. Oh, out you should have seen this. Dylan, Dylan and I had this long conversation about Christina Hendricks's ass before <laughs> this afternoon. I was defending Bill's her ass mood. being a sexy canned ham ass. Bill <laughs> was saying she has a flat ass where she has to put like things in her butt. So it looks attractive on Mad Men. And I was like, even so, who cares? If you're if you're if you're a lady and you got a butt, then people want to fuck it. It doesn't matter what shape it's in. I'm just I, I'm walking away. <laughs> I'm walking away. How do we get on this topic conversation? I'm walking away. You keep talking. Oh hey, speaking of I'm gonna go to the bathroom. You keep talking. Oh, this is gonna be fantastic. Uh speaking of sexy stuff. So anyway, yeah, about uh JK Rowling's sexy novel. Oh god. Her adult novel. Which is this lamest joke he can make just because she's not writing a, uh, a, a book for five-year-olds. Everyone's like, oh my god, who's going to have sex in J.K. Rowling book? I'm going to be this woman yeah. right now. We're going to have a conversation about something here. About a woman and not use the word sexy. Why? What happened? Just don't... The first adjective you use to describe Scully is sexy. Is like, that seriously? wrong? <sighs> I don't know what to think about the show. All I know exhausting. is that she's redheaded. It's just exhausting. <laughs> That's what I no, I didn't say. I said J.K. Rowling's a nasty weirdo <laughs> who's writing a sexy book. <laughs> That's okay, right? <laughs> That's okay. I'm just saying, J.K. Rowling yeah. part of a, a gaming uh, fighting game community tournament. <laughs> I'm just saying, shit would be on the walls. Oh, it's just exhausting. No, it's fine. It's exhausting. I didn't say she was sexy. She's, she's old. And she's British. She's too old. She got, like, <laughs> she's too old and British to be sexy. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Anyway, no, yeah, I'm excited about J.K. Rowling, a new book from her period. I'll be really curious. Yeah, to more see. details will be announced this year, but yeah, I'm glad she's writing. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, she's she's that kind of person where you know that she's the wheels are always turning up there. She's probably got half a dozen like 
I respect the hell out of that woman. I really am curious to see what she that does. That unattractive next. mind of hers. <laughs> beautiful. Big old, I don't want to have sex with it. I just want to see it. Nasty, gross brain. What yeah. she got up in there. Um, new Game of Thrones season two trailer. I don't even know why I brought this up other than the. Have you seen the stuff that they filmed in Iceland? From the I was stuff on vacation. I didn't do anything. Well, also, I'm trying not to. Granted, I know everything that happens, but I've been trying not to see anything. It looks so really it's all nice. Fresh. It looks like Hoth from Star Wars, where it's vast plains of snow. That's what it it's should not be. That's just awesome. Yeah, well, I don't know what it's supposed to look like because I only know what the. Scary. This looks not like a good place to be. That's awesome. Because you know, it should be totally like environment, like just being totally foreboding and creepy. And I would not want to be there. The, yeah. you, you, the money's awesome. on the screen, at least with, with the North of the Wall stuff. That's in, in awesome. Game of Thrones season two. Oh, uh, do you have any interest in the Game of Thrones DVD Blu-ray stuff that's come out? Um, it's finally had coming a... out. You could actually finally buy Game of Thrones TV show on Blu-ray starting this Tuesday. Amazon had a sale for it for 34 bucks, so I ordered it. Yeah. Yeah. I got it from Best Buy. So mine's gonna it's gonna be the Oh you got the fancy weird edition with the same price as Amazon. You might still be able to order it too. I don't care. It looks it it must says when it was coming on does the it, box. Does it have a little um cardboard cutout of Jorah Sir Jorah Mormont? That's the only way I'm paying anymore. <laughs> a little doll you can dress him up. You could take that's his right. you could take his metal dress off. I could turn his frown upside down. Oh, that's right. So no. yeah, that's good. yeah. No, if it if it, like seriously, because my investment if it doesn't have like um like like a Joffrey punching bag. That oh, this is how we started talking about Christina Hendricks's butt. Because we were talking about if Daenerys Targaryen's butt is hot in the TV show. This is what I'm talking about. We're going to talk about women and not talk about sex. This is what I guess being straight guy whose friends are all lesbians <laughs> is that we're going to talk about like who's who's yeah. which lady's butt on TV is hot or not. She, I thought she had a nice butt. Is all I'm saying. Even Daenerys Targaryen. Daenerys. See, I can't sexualize Daenerys at all. Well, I know 13. everyone does. But she's like, there's some characters I just can't sexualize. Well, them. she shows up naked in one chat. That's the only thing we're well, referencing. I know, but I mean, she's just such a sad lady, and her relationship with sex is so weird. I just can't sexualize her. Does she have sex again? Like, does she actually develop any sexual? Sort of. Yes, she has it... sex again. Yeah. But it's kind of, you know, she spoilers for Game of Thrones. Well, no, I mean, really, it's like it's sex is not something she can have, and when she gets it, it's shallow. Well, every time she has it, she lays eggs, <laughs> big dragon eggs. That's how she got those three ones. She oh man, it's ter- man. That show was fucked up. Um, Let's move on to your list. Disney is making a movie called Saving Mr. Banks about the making of Mary Poppins. Uh, looks like they're trying to court stars like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep uh, to play Walt Disney and P.L. Travers. Who knows if they're actually going to get those guys? But now, didn't Disney wasn't Disney petitioning Travers for years and years? Supposedly and years. for at least like 10, 15 years. Because yeah. he just like really liked the idea of Mary Poppins. And, and didn't uh, she hate the resulting movie? Yeah. Well, he was a bear. This the little best. No resemblance. Well, this Mary Poppins was the last big project that Disney tackled personally before he died. Because uh, I think Mary Poppins was like nineteen sixty four. He died in sixty six. I don't know why that's a factoid I need to spout. Um, but yeah, he he spent. Uh, I guess because off the success of Alice in Wonderland. They were able to make... That's a movie that's a, about... Uh, from a book that's a bunch of uh, just random story yeah. things. There's no real plot yeah, to Alice Actually, same thing with Peter Pan. Yeah. And that's the way and the Mary Robin Poppins Hood. books are, too. So you're like, oh, fuck it. If we could do that with the animated movies, we can like, make a live-action movie out of these books that are the same thing. And so he just kept on pestering forever, saying, oh, man, do, we'll do anything if you let us make a movie out of Mary Poppins. And he, she finally said yes, but only if I have final script approval. And so he gave it to her... <laughs> And then he threw out the script and wrote another one. I said, ha ha, you got script approval. That script just happens to be in the garbage can. We're starting filming on Monday. She was like, no. And so, yeah, which is funny because 
that movie is all and anyone knows her anymore. Well, this, he was a prick. Yeah, he, was, he was sick and he was like, I'll be dead in two years, bitches. <laughs> you can come and complain to me in hell. Should have never given me money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So moving on. Today is Dr. Seuss's 108th birthday, everybody. Yeah, everyone's looking out about it. Happy birthday, Dr. Seuss. Happy birthday, Dr. Happy Dr. birthday Seuss. Theodore Geisel. Everyone should go out and watch The 5,000 Figures of Dr. Twilliger and think oh, about how it's not a very good movie. Oh, my God. It's a really crazy-looking movie, but it's not fun to watch. Do- the 5,000 Figures Speaking of Dr. Of Twilliger a bunch of random shit. is worth watching as an, uh, just, an uh, just for what it is. It is fascinating. It is a movie musical made in, like, 50. Yeah, it's like the mid fifties. Kind of, you know. It, so, it, so it's a, a balls to the wall movie musical with sets designed and songs written by Dr. Seuss. So it's all the weird Dr. Seuss nonsense with like and and like re- and it's great to see that sort of like all of his design and shit built into actual costumes and actual yeah. sets. It's fascinating. It's no good, but it's fascinating to watch. You know how that movie got made? Walt Disney was like, "Ted Geisel, we're gonna make a movie out of your book." And then they start a production, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to die in 10 years anyway. <laughs> Fuck you. He, he, he suddenly, like, wrote, he, he, like, he was in the middle of production, and he's like, oh, my God, this Mary Poppins book someone just gave me is amazing. Fuck you. I'm leaving this production. I got to go uh, sex up P.L. Travers. I like the alternate reality. You just made up there, Bill. I'm trying to sexualize P.L. Travers now. <laughs> Good. Her flat white. See, I was thought we were going to walk by her, and I was so excited. I was going to let it happen. But Dr. No. Seuss, if you're a woman... And if you look like Scully... Oh, God. Ugh. Oh, it's so sexy. So... Uh, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's just tiring. I don't consider myself... Well, I mean, obviously, I am a ladyist, and that I like ladies, and I want us to have rights, and all this sort of thing, and I'm, you know, I'm a feminist, and that, you know... Yeah. But it's just like, man, I hate to be that person who's like, fuck it, guys, I'm really tired of having these conversations with you over and over again, but I'm getting to the point. Doesn't help being friends with Bill Mudrin, too. <sighs> Just tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And I'm barely involved in the internet. I can only imagine being poor Laura Hudson, the Comics Alliance, like, having to fight this fight every Which day. She? She's the editor of the Comics Alliance. Uh, did she get a lot of flack? Well, aside yeah. from having tits on being on the That's internet. That's a big sure thing. But it's also she dares to talk about sexism in comics. <laughs> oh, man. It's just exhausting. It's exhausting. I'm tired. It is. Let's talk about something else. Mm-hmm. I dreamed a video game concept fully formed. This is the best news of the week, actually. So I had a dream fully formed of a video game. You've already written this down and mailed it to yourself, so you already have copyright, so you can't steal this, <laughs> anyone who's listening to this. No, it, it, it really got, I woke up like that was actually a video game that I'd play. So you are a bird, you're a little dude bird, out on the town to woo some ladies. So there's like a, a, a power line covered with little lady birds of all sorts of different species. And so you try to woo these birds by doing sweet tricks and be they, like, kind of like SSX. Yeah. So it's like, be they sweet moves and also, like, physics things like buzzing, you know, clothesline and other stuff like that. Like diving through a stovepipe and that sort of thing. And, uh, like, using the environment. And certain species of birds are impressed by certain acts. And you can, um, uh, it, it, when the level is over, like, they will swoon if you've impressed them. That is great. They'll swoon and fall off the clothesline. There'll be this puff of smoke behind them, leaving your score. Um, or they'll just be unimpressed. And so, like, to impress certain species of birds, you can dress like them. So, like, if there are a bunch of pigeons on the line, like, oh, I'm going to dress in my pigeon outfit. Yeah, you get your gear, yeah. And in my dream, it was great because it was the most ramshackle, shitty costumes. Like, the, when there's, like, there's the bald eagle costume, and it's, like, just a bald cap. And, like, a sweater that was, like, sewn to look like it. So it would crimp all his feathers and everything like that. Yeah. 
And, uh, but yeah, no, and, and, but you'd have to be careful. Cause like, so maybe you dress, you wear this outfit because it boosts this stat or like impresses this bird, but then that in, in turn can like not, could totally be a detractor for this other kind of bird. And there's, so there's this level of strategy to it and, 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 and inventory management. But, um, you go to in different environments, like you'd go out to the country, you'd go like someone tweeted me like, or oh, you could go to space, which is brilliant space birds and like the the menu was like this this um you know like apartment like rooftop um birdcage sort of thing like in big yeah, cities like so it was like exactly like scoop on a rooftop and it was like so he had like his mirror we could check out his outfits and his little dresser full of all his little outfits and stuff and uh it was oh, the like the best part is if you have a co-op option and it says coop <laughs> I'm just saying, trying to help whole, you out there. That's right. What was your idea for the name? You didn't dream this, but oh, later on you were talking about well, it. It would have to be a terrible pun. I think it was like Fowl on the Prowl or something like that. Or something like that, like that. yeah. I that suggested something. Pun. I can't remember what it was. But that's a great idea. It was really... I, I'm sad it's not real. I woke up and I was like, aw. Because in my dream I was doing really well. That's also <laughs> a generally great idea for all a game. All the birds. Yeah. All the laybirds wanted what I got. Mm. So is this something you had already designed and you were playing? In my dream, I wasn't designing it. I was just... Oh, you just drained it. something, yeah. It was just it was, I've never dreamed that before. I dreamed this whole game fully formed. That's weird. I dreamed the menu system. I dreamed the little animation cycles for the birds. Like, is there now, if you get a check for, like, $1,000 from Zynga, you could actually make that a little bit, but, you know. $1,000. <laughs> what are you talking about, $1,000. I couldn't wipe my dev's ass with that Mars. I mean, I got... I shouldn't be talking about my own experience with how much I get paid for doing video <laughs> game stuff, but you'd be surprised. Like, I was... Technically, I was being underpaid for doing some of the shit I was doing for uh, iPhone game development, and I was still, like, not rolling in dough, because I don't want to make myself feel rich, but... That's what I mean. I can't do anything with $1,000. Yeah. That's what I, that was what I meant. Oh. Anyway, that was the game I dreamed, everybody. Um, Sign up with my Kickstarter so I can uh, make it. No, I'm kidding. You'd be uh, best buddies with uh, Tim Schafer. That's a starter. Me and my bro Timmy, you know. You know. Do you see he's doing an Ask Me Anything? Like, I think it's like tomorrow or sometime this week on, on Reddit. Yeah. yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah. Except it's not. It's only going to talk about Woody Harrelson's movie, Rampart. Yeah. <laughs> that was my Reddit joke, everybody. Everybody, this is probably alienate you by making Reddit jokes. Anyway, so yeah, this is, uh, we're going to take a break for a moment, and then we're going to come back. Then we're going to talk about Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Mass Effect. I love, Effect. You, so I love you, Mass Effect. Touch you with my hands. Listener Brian Smith did point out. Um, I don't know if this was in jest or not. He did say, "I thought every um, by Hattie podcast is a Mass Effect podcast." Touche, Brian not Smith. Touche, Brian Smith. We got your number. We're gonna kick you in the butt. <laughs> so yes, this is our anticipatory Mass Effect podcast. Yeah, um, this is our, our podcast about yeah Mass Effects one and two. Yeah, with uh, spoilers obviously for Mass Effect one and two and the DLC for Mass Effect two because yes, I just actually finished playing the Mass Effect two DLC just this morning mm-hmm. for the first time because I hadn't touched Mass Effect two since I beat it like two years ago when it first came out. Yeah, and yeah, sometime in the last two years I 
somehow, for some reason, bottle the DLC and then completely forgot about it. Well, the thing about Mass Effect DLC is it's pretty much, in the, it's all designed to play during the course of your game. Yeah, that's really. why I wanted to save it up, but I, for some reason I forgot that I bought it. It's like, I don't, that's one of the things, that's my only there... beef with DLC, like, during this whole day one DLC debacle. Yeah. I want DLC to be day one. I'm not gonna. I don't want to go back three years late after the fact and play all that. DLC. Well, it shouldn't have to be DLC day one. It should be in the game. You shouldn't have to worry about like downloading it separately from the game from the disc you just bought that was developed at the same time as the main game and the resources were diverted from the main game to make that DLC. You guys are all adorable. You guys are all adorable. What's wrong with that? It's just I don't don't get all the fervor against. What there's not enough game in Mass Effect two. It could be longer. Guess what? It's 30 hours long. You don't care about Zaid. You Who gives a shit? Yeah. Kasumi's worth it. Kasumi, did she come with a loyalty mission? Yeah. Okay. See, but I can't play that. Well, no, maybe I can. But she's yeah. not part of the main core. Like, you know, I, 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 like, I played Kasumi's mission. She is a mission. character you can recruit. Yeah. No, you, you didn't do the heist mission? I know I did the heist. I didn't know if she had a loyalty that's, that's mission. Her, that is her loyalty mission. Oh, really? Because at the end it said something about loyalty, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's the heist. The Kasumi's the main point of that mission, that DLC, right? Yeah. No, pretty much with the Kasumi DLC, you can recruit her. And she goes, okay, I'll join your team. Oh, okay. If you do this heist for me. Yeah, she's all, yeah, no. She's and the hanging, heist is loyalty She's hanging out, like, in the port. Yeah. Like. That's it. Okay, that's it. Okay. Right next to the gunnery sergeant well, talking other... about how Isaac Newton is the baddest motherfucker in space. That is great. Well, no, no, no. Well, the, all the other characters had, like, there's the mission where you actually recruit them, and then there's the loyalty in mission. In both DLCs. Where you get, like, extra pants for the characters. Once in you... both DLCs, it's, you, ha- you it's, recruit it's them a one whole with thing. the condition of, you have to do me this one favor. Okay. This is my terrible Zaid impression. <laughs> Is that how he talks? I'm t- making like him vaguely Kiwi. Australian. He's a Kiwi or something generically. like that. No, Kasumi was vaguely. awesome, though. Kasumi's great. Man, if you guys have uh, played uh, Mass Effect 2, but you haven't downloaded the Kasumi... St- was it Kasumi well, let's, let's back memory? up. Let's take, let's take a more holistic look at, at Mass yeah, Effect before okay, we get yeah. into the minutia. So, uh, I love Mass Effect, everybody. I'm sitting here with my Mass Effect wallet. Why is Mass Effect... I have a card that I named the Normandy after the ship in Oh, Mass I still Effect. have Mass Effect, my hotel key from... Uh, Packs last year. I still have that in my wallet. <laughs> it's a treasured item. Mass Effect is a hell of a thing. I was talking with some friends Why about this Mass this Effects? weekend who were who were Dragon Ages as opposed to Mass Effect people. My wife and I were talking about this, and we think the part of the reason why we love Mass Effect so much is we're big military brats, so, like, the idea of being a, oh, a space point, actually, marine yeah. fighting against everything is really appealing to us. Yeah, Mass Effect, well, man. that's funny, because, like, even in Mass Effect 2, you're not really fighting against, you're fighting against collectors, but it's not like you versus the whole world or anything Mass like that. Mass Effect is fascinating. Mass Effect just hits me right in the right spot. If you don't like Star Trek, and there's a lot of Star Trek can, elements in, in Mass Effect. I give two shits about Star Trek, and in the you other like day, Wars, really, well I like Star Wars, but I don't like Star Wars. You don't the way I love, love Star Wars. I think that's part of the thing, is that I never really had a sci-fi thing that was mine. So you, how much of uh, your Mass affection Effect. for Mass Effect is the world versus your story that you're creating within that world? What do you mean the world versus? Just how much do you like the, just the universe versus I the fact the that you're hell. able to take your make your own story within that universe. I enjoy all games where I get to make my own story, yeah. and I enjoy the kind of choices that Bioware games tend to give you, yeah. but that's not, I mean, I, I, could, I didn't really enjoy Jade Empire. And it seems, I mean, you know, it's it was the world of Mass Effect that I dug. I mean, I just world, love, yeah. 
I dig the world of Mass Effect so very much. Um, there's a there's an article that um, was floating around a couple of weeks ago about on why i9.com, yeah, uh, and elsewhere that was like about why Mass Effect is the most important science fiction of our generation. And the points that they hit upon were were totally valid. Like the idea, one the two things that Mass Effect does a really good job of hammering home is the idea um, that humans are the minority. Yeah. Humans are very much so new to the table. I'm pretty sure in the Mass Effect universe, we've only been part of intergalactic civilization for about 30 years. I forgot about that. Rereading this stuff, I forgot that, like, yeah, humanity's only been off of Earth for, like, maybe 30, 35 years at the most. They're, well, no, they have not been off of Earth, please. There have been colonies on other planets, Bill. Come on. Oh, that's right, because right, didn't, like, humanity only done first go beyond the stars because we f- they found a Prothean artifact on Mars? Yeah, they find, they find Mass Effect technology. But we've and, only uh, been on, like, in, in the world of Mass Effect, at the time of Mass Effect 1, we've only been a part of the galactic community for 35 years. That's right. Less and we were at war in the, with the Turians in the late 30 years Yeah, ago. that's the first thing that happened. So like, there's oh, a yeah. there's an interesting... Kind of shoot um, those cat people. There's a lot of interesting, like, political shit going yeah. down. And, like, the, one of the big things is that, you know, like, people, um, the other alien races that you interact with are, for the most part, pretty wary of humans because we're new to the table or pretty much snotty punks who are elbowing our way. Yeah. In. We're super aggressive, and they're kind of freaked out by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Unlike yeah. other science fiction franchises, like Star Trek, where humanity's tenacity is kind of viewed as this thing everyone else should look up to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's kind of viewed as... It's like, like something you have to warm people. up to in Yeah, Mass humans, effects. like, yeah, you, like... Well, like, isn't, like, the Volus... They've been, they're trying to become part of the council. For, They've been around for like 200 years and oh, they're still not part of it. longer than that. There's all these other races Thousands that have been petitioning to be part of this galactic community, a, a part of the ruling, the government, governing uh, establishment, and they have not been able to do that. But yeah, America rolls in, or America. <laughs> well, no, it is Fuck kind of yeah. a, like the... It's, that's kind of, it's like, you know, the fresh American. Punks. You don't see any French humans, right? It is... <laughs> anyway, point being, the humans Zaid, maybe, at the most... <laughs> Kasumi being Asian, <sighs> there's the only kind of like non-white super. Yeah, America. Yeah, humans you see running around. That That's universe. right. Um, no, but... no, Captain Anderson. They made him blacker in the demo for Mass Effect Three. He looks blacker. I don't know what the hell happened there. Anyway, He's voiced by a black guy. Like do you, do you, you, we've had this conversation before. You don't think Anderson was black in the first? No, Mass he's white. That is weird to me. He's as white as his fucking he Star Trek suit. I just recently replayed Mass Effect 1. He is a black man. Is he? You're a weirdo. You're a big old weirdo. Oh. He looks blacker Mass Effect 3. They, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Anyway. anyway. No, no, yeah, Mass Effect. So the the two things that are kind of interesting about Mass Effect is that one, is that they're able to really convey a sense of humans, humanity as a minority, which is very cool. Yeah. And not something that you get to see explored enough in mainstream sci-fi. But B, one thing that this this article brings up that I don't, I never really thought about. One cool thing that comes up in Mass Effect is um, the fear of space travel and the fear of the unknown and the potential sinisterness of the unknown like the idea of there being some greater force out there that ultimately doesn't give a crap like that kind of lovecraftian view of like oh yeah no there's a greater grinding force out there and it doesn't give a shit about you humanity is not even a fleck in its eye and we are just something that is a brief little... Well, it's an existential horror of not that the universe is out to get you, it's that the universe doesn't give a shit about yeah. you. Yeah, which Mass Effect... The indifference of reality, yeah. Which Mass Effect pretty is pretty happy to explore, which, n- not you know, name another piece of mainstream sci-fi that does. Well, yeah, like Star Wars and the Star Wars universe, the entire universe has already been colonized and planned yeah. out. So there's no there's no frontier in Star Wars. Star Trek, the frontier is all like, we gotta go explore and help people. This is like, people are still exploring, but shit's fucked up. People are getting torn up. 
by well, the shit in the universe. Massive. What I like and about Mass Effect the Reapers, but... is there's this duality between like the known and the unknown. Yeah. Like, because there's this really well traveled known space. Because so the 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 kernel of the Mass Effect universe is the idea of this Mass Effect relays. It's not necessarily that there's um, we're able to travel at super high speeds between galaxies. It's just that they're basically these slingshot points that allow you to go from one point in space to the other. They pre-exist. They, well, didn't they come along with the Citadel where they pre-existed? Oh, yeah. They They've found been them? there forever and ever and ever Yeah, and ever they're and ever. part of the whole Reaper so plan. So all of, all of civilization, all of these alien civilizations develop along this well-worn road, yeah. basically, of these connected mass relays. It's mass the Silk relays. Road of Space. That's right. So it's, like, interesting. And I liked, and I liked the way, that, the concept of, like, well, how would cultures evolve through this sort of very guided sort of pattern. And uh, it, I always thought that was kind of a cute explanation for why all the, for the most part, all the races are bipedal and everything like that. It makes sense that they're all developed more or less along the same parameters. Oh, well, yeah, because we're, like... All evolved from, like, where they all were influenced. Like, you find, like, evidence in the first game, if you really look really hard, like, evidence of Protheans on Earth. Yeah. And so, like, the, the idea of, like, Prothean, because the Protheans are the race that predate all the other um, races that exist in Mass Effect at the time. Though we learn that they are, in fact, just the uh, part of this ongoing cycle of destruction caused by the Reapers. Like, the idea that the Protheans could have had a hand in the development, or, like, some degree. Like the, the, well, even uh, if there's the, the Protheans, but, like, other species have kind of cross-pollinated the universe before we... Because yeah. be, before all the civilizations in Mass Effect, as we know them, have evolved uh, to adopt space travel. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so... You know, when, when the Reapers show up, they don't destroy all organic life, they destroy all sentient life. So whatever's left evolving on planets... Because what, the Reapers show up at what, every 50,000 years? About. Which if that's true, then nothing would be left. There would be nothing left to, because you can't, well, you they can't harvest... evolve from inorganic life to organic sentient well, life in 50,000 years. The implication is they harvest a good amount of organic life. They leave like, just organic enough life. organic they leave life enough for, for sentient else. life to grow back up again. Yeah. But like, well, after like after God knows how many like dozens or hundreds of generations where the cycle's been repeated, you think after a while, like after people have been using the mass relays enough, yeah, you're going to get some cross-pollination of, God knows, bees may have come from the Asari homeworld, like, originally. Like, three <laughs> three cycles ago. We just don't know that. But, which does could explain why, yeah, exactly, so many of the aliens in the Mass Effect universe. I thought yeah, that was a look, cute kind of a explanation little, you know. for an, an animation necessity sort of thing. Yeah, yeah except for the Hanar. It still kind of bums me out. That you still don't get the plays of like a Volus or a Hanar or an Elcor, but it's understandable. Like, re- yeah, reading this new Mass Effect Three art book or no, it's Mass Effect uh, Universe art book. Yeah, they spend so much time explaining how the crazier alien designs wouldn't fit into the game as far as being part of your squad because yeah, it's gameplay. Yeah, it's gameplay. It's animation. Can rigging. you imagine like having to exactly rig? If it, a it's full... not shaped and if it doesn't move like a human, yeah, they it can't be in your squad because they're not set up to have. My heart breaks for the idea of uh, someone having to animate for Volus. Yeah, like their fat little bodies. Man. That's why you barely see them move though. Whenever be... you see them, but they're pretty much glued to the floor, just kind of like looking up at you. But they're not walking around. But... <laughs> be awesome. Can you imagine what they would be like running, trying to keep up with you in a firefight though? Oh, in my amazing. in my fantasy world at the end of Mass Effect Three, they're able to make a game. Uh, like one of our friends on Twitter was talking about how Casey Hudson, who's the develop like the 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 gaming the lead designer for um, Mass Effect, the project lead, um, how he was talking about telling short stories. What I would love would be a game that was basically set in the Citadel, 
And there are like eight different stories of eight different people living on the Citadel. And yeah. you can just explore their lives. And it's not shootery. It's just kind of like interactive storytelling. You like an iPad game. You don't even have to do it and make it an Xbox 360 game. You I want to see what like... happened. Like maybe the life of Lil Volus or life of a Hanar. Be great. Yeah. Just like smaller stories. Mass Effect 3 is probably never, ever, You'll ever. get no, no, something no. like It'll, that works. No, no, I won't. It'll never happen. Have they come out? Years. Is the iPad game out where it's supposed to be? Isn't it supposed to be like a data pad full of stories or background or it's supposed to be the See wiki? See that? It, I would believe a wiki. I would Man. believe that. Something, but no that's one is ever going to make like a weird little. No. Not what you're talking about. Not, not missed on the Citadel. I don't care. I mean, like, nothing will, it's always going to be shooters. There's always going to be shooters. Maybe we'll get a Mass Effect strategy game. Mass Effect Angry Birds clone. <laughs> Firing a... Fire. But yeah. No, I love the... I, lo- I, I really do genuinely enjoy the world of Mass Effect and just exploring it and the kind of characters that populate it. I like the implications of having races of these different lifespans, like having a Solarian that only lives like 30 years and a yeah. sorry that'll live a thousand. Having those characters have relationships... Like, I love, we talked this about before, like, some of my favorite parts of Mass Effect are just little conversations that you can hear, which is something they added to Mass Effect 2 to a great degree. And there are parts of Mass Effect 2 where you can wander around and you hear, like, Solarian talking to his Asari wife and they're talking about, like, things. To, like, there's one, you can meet one couple who's at the Citadel and you can meet another couple who's talking to his, he's talking to his Asari daughter. He's giving her something to remember him by. Oh, like I the, never saw that. Yeah, the kind Aww. of little stories that you can tell. Like, that's really cool. Like the, And it's all because these characters have such drastic lifespans and such drastic worldviews. Yeah, Bioware's been really good lifespan. about arraying as much as they can from those races and yeah. the different, like, uh, dramatic juice you can wring out of those yeah. situations. Yeah. I like them. Man. It's good. I love Mass Effect. like Mass Effect 2, again, I bumped into the... Uh, the was it the the sorry daughter of the Krogan the bartender, it, is she the bartender? No, no, she's not the, the sorry Citadel. Krogan bartender and, and, in well, Ilium. No, she's Ilium, yeah, not the Citadel. She's my favorite character in all of Mass Effect. She's fucking hilarious. But she's yeah, my favorite character in all of Mass Effect. It still kind of freaks me out that the Asari are what is it asexual, whatever. They're omnisexual. Mm, yeah, I don't really know how you say it. They're not necessarily monogender. But the fact that they like they they can have parents of you know like you can have a, like a sorry and a Krogan have a kid. Mm-hmm. The fact that like the daughter has absolutely nothing from the father. They, I would that that woman she had Krogan eyes. Did she a little bit? Yeah, she, her voice was a little. It sounded like yeah. it was a little digitally enhanced to make her sound well, a little Krogan-y. That too. was the whole point. Is that? The, but I the, wish they would explain how that whole breeding thing works a little bit more. Just, just well, how would that help the story? I don't know. Just, I, just it's still it's one of the few things in the Mass Effect universe that I've never been quite clear on, like how that works or it's why space it works magic. that way. I know it's space <laughs> Well, then again, in Mass Effect, you know. What Bill. makes everything run? Yeah, Mass Effect. Element zero. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, Bill. It's like, it's like kind of a funny thing to catch I up on. Ex- it's funny that I can accept the element zero, but I, the uh, sorry breeding practices. Uh, I'm still we like, all have We all have our things. Yeah, there's, you're going to get caught up on something. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, it's it's the, that universe, it's at least as well put together as the Star Wars universe. What I like is that pretty much all the elements of that world are added to it to ask a question. Yeah. It's really cool. Like the Geth... Like, at first, you play with them in the first game, and like, oh, these are just some generic robot bad guys. But then, you know, you learn more about them. Like, I love that the story when you learn about from the Asari, like, you learn about the first, like, Geth to gain sentience. Yeah. Where it's like, they're, because they're a slave. They're these robots that are created to act as slaves. And, like, one of them just turns to its master and asks something, like, why or who? 
what is my name or something like that. Yeah, some kind of very basic question. Freak out and like kill them all. And it's like there's an interesting question. Well, this is funny too because I forgot like it had been so long since I played Mass Effect Two and I forgot like the stories and the histories of of the the races in Mass Effect Two. I was bummed to see in these trailers for Mass Effect Three as much as I was trying to avoid them, I could still catch snippets of them online. That there was no uh, Geth. And I was like, man, Geth were such a big thing in the first Mass Effect game. It's so weird that they're not a big thing in... The, in they don't look like they're a big thing in Mass Effect 3. It'll be interesting to see. But going back and uh, playing this Mass Effect 2 DLC, I forgot talking to Legion. There's a whole big... that Why you don't see Geth in Mass Effect 2 is, is explained in, in Mass Effect 2 when you talk to Legion. And there's a whole mission about how the Geth you were fighting in the first Mass Effect game were part of this like heretic... Mm-hmm. splinter group mm-hmm. that rebelled against everybody but like the rest of the geth actually sound like they're pretty cool yeah and they put that in a great context yeah and see all, know, of, all of the mass effect world like when you when you poke at it it's just smart it's yeah. just thoughtful that's what i like about I hate it to see it for a video game too just for in general it's it's, yeah. it's really nicely put together that's why i'm so sad that the comics and the books aren't very interesting because every single aspect of the game i really really enjoy learning more about the world and the books are actually written by some of the guys who've worked on the games too yeah. so it's not like they just brought in a ringer who doesn't know what the hell know. they're talking about. I think it's just, like, the, the kind of stories that they explore. Like, the only comic that I did enjoy was basically the stuff that's about Liara that's kind of leading up to Lair of the Shadow Broker. I don't yeah. see how you can play the Lair of the Shadow Broker DLC what without reading What does it divulge in the... Well, it's about, it's about Liara recovering your body and the length she goes to All she to mentions get it. In, the, in the DLC is like, yeah, we, me and my friend Frog Face See, Fredo, that's the thing. It's like, you, who, how do you know who this guy is? Because there's this your whole body? story. Because oh. you're floating in orbit over this. Your, your scorched remains are just like entombed. The shadow broker has your corpse and is going to sell your corpse to the collectors. I wonder how the Shadow Broker got your corpse. I guess maybe he's I got so many contacts he would think, oh, yeah. this, this famous war hero died here. Let's, like, claim the body and sell it. No, yeah, wants to sell it to either the collectors and then Cerebus steps yeah. in. and Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's interesting because Lyra becomes a Shadow Broker and she's yeah. uh, the good version of the... Illuminated. No, wait. Even even like Liara is interesting to me because like in the first game I she hated Liara. She becomes super interesting. Like I, I like the Mass Effect. You Man. can kind of see it like just as the story of Liara becoming a, a more well adjusted person because when you first meet her, she's like six years old, but she's really a baby for her race. Oh, sorry, yeah, for a race that and, lives um, for a thousand years, six years. And she's kind shit. of wide eyed and blinking. In the second game, her worldview has changed so das- drastically from what she's been through with you. I'm really pumped. I heard one spoiler about Mass Effect 3 and it got me so excited. Oh, yeah. So, I recently found out this. Spoilers you for don't Mass care. Effect 3. You don't care about this, Bill, but I recently found out that in Dragon Age 2, if you don't woo um, Isabella or Fr- uh, or Fenris, they, they, re- they, they fall in love. And that made me so delighted because those are my two favorite characters and my two playthroughs, I wooed one and then the other. So when I'm finding out they get together, I got so excited. I recently found out that Mass Effect 3, if you didn't woo Garrus and you didn't woo Tali... Are you serious? They they get together? And I'm actually listening... But only if you didn't. So which that means I've got to do a playthrough someday where I don't talk... Like, I'm just like, hey guys, what's up? You know That's super cool. I am so excited. I have never been with them. And then they they, they get married, they have a honeymoon. On on an asteroid, they get hit by the Death Star or something. (laughs) That is all oh, okay. That's pretty. I'm cute. so excited, man. Movie. I thought oh, in the first game I did romance Liara. And I, okay, here's the thing. In I the first, thought... I I put in my canon playthrough play a lady, and I wanted to romance Ashley. And the thing is that the dialogue with those characters are the same whether you're romancing them or okay, friending well, them. Okay, well, we, we should define our, our which our two shepherds are doing what. What? Who's your shepherd? What's your name? 
My shepherd Your is... Your canon shepherd. Is Harriet Shepherd. Yeah. Who is a soldier in the first game and in the second game is now Vanguard. Um, which I, I can't remember what the hell I am. Um, she is a, um, uh, a spacer kid who uh, whose mother was in the Alliance. And um, uh, my mother, Hannah Shepard, who's an admiral in the Alliance. Thank you very much. And uh, and uh, was served at Torfin. And you do know your Mass Effect. I, I, have no, I think I am a spacer because that sounds cooler than the other options. I don't remember anything else other than my my shepherd's black with black lipstick, so she lo- looks like she ate a sharpie. You my really lady shepherd, of how ugly my shepherd is. Your shepherd is pretty rancid. My shepherd is awesome. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! My shepherd has this great hawk nose and red hair. We need to put pictures of our, our shepherds on the. T- on, I on have a number blog. of awesome. My my girl, my wife, and I spent like an hour the other day just drawing our shepherd. We, we, you like, upload that shit. I'll upload. We could like have a little poll. Which shepherd's more <laughs> fucked up? Miss Mrs. Aide Shepherd. Or Mrs. Harriet Shepard. I love my shepherd. So I wanted my shepherd to hook up with Ashley. In the but first it wasn't an option. Oh, that's right, because there's no gays in the in space in the first mm-hmm. one. Aside from Liara, but that's not gay. When I was... I was so I'm like... Sorry, or... I'm like, fuck, I'll woo Caden, I guess. Fine. Uh-huh. I like Caden okay, but I really wanted my Harriet to fall for... To hook Could up you with not Ashley. romance Tully in the first game? I guess not. No. Your options were I, Ash, Caden, or Liara. I don't know what the hell decisions I made, because Tully was my favorite character from the first game. Yeah. I don't know what I did to come out of Mass Effect 2 that Garrus is my love interest. Because <laughs> Garrus is the best and everyone loves Garrus. And like, I'm like, what? Did I, like, was I on crack that week? I played the game I didn't go after Tali? Garrus you can't. is fine. You can't be a woman and go after Tali. In That's Mass why. Effect 2? You have to be a dude to woo Tali. Oh, is there not gay stuff in Mass Effect 2 too? I thought, well, was that an issue? You could, be, was... you could be with Jack if you're a lady. You could be with Jack. That's your lesbian option. You can. Oh, be you only with... get one gay option. Yeah. Oh, that's why I didn't go after Tali. You can be with Jack. You can be with Jacob. Is Mass Effect Three supposed you can to be, be full with gay? So I'm gonna fuck. I don't think you can be a lesbian, Tali. I don't think you can be a lesbian in Mass Effect. Kiss me. I want to see your face. I think. Well, excuse me. I mean, presumably you can be if you you can be a gay dude. You can, if you're a dude chef, you can go with Vega. Is the implication? That's it. But you don't have your pick. Well, I don't. I've been trying not to spoil myself of anything. Else. I know. I know. I know. I'm hoping irrationally that my Harriet can woo can woo um, Ashley in the third game. I'm really hoping. I know she won't, mm-hmm. but I want her to. Shut your mouth. My my wife um, hooked up with Liara while I was in the bathroom. She while I was in the bathroom, she took the controller and she pursued Liara, and I came back and I was furious at her because I like in the first game Liara was boring as shit. She's boring. She's not an interesting character. In the second game, she's great. Yeah. But in the first game, she's like, oh, you are a human. I, I don't understand you. What? You are weird what? earth ways. What is kiss? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Am I too forward in saying? Well, the Shadow Broker thing was cool because yeah. uh, when I went on the Shadow Broker mission, I took uh, Garrus with me because I thought, oh, this should be interesting. Yeah. Because he's my boyfriend. Did he say anything? Uh, there was, was it awkward? A... Oh, there's a great point where uh, we're chasing... Oh, who's the Asari bitch who's working for the Shadow Broker? Oh, um... Uh... Oh, there's a great fight, too! You're, you, she, there's a Asari lady fighting for the Shadow Broker, and she, like, you find out she, she's a bad guy, and then she, like, tries to jump out this window, and then Shepard goes jumping after her, and they have this fight in midair, and then the Asari lady yeah. starts using her biotic power, so you're slowly falling through the air, yeah. and just beating the shit out of each other. Was like, that's awesome. That's actually fucking great. I would, like, that's, like, yeah. that's cooler than a lot of things I've seen in actual movies. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyway, so at, uh, in order to chase this lady, we had to leave someone behind because only three people could fit in the car. It had to be Shepard, uh, Liara, and I had brought Garrison Tolly. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, was, I love you so much, Tolly, but Shepard, my, that's my boyfriend. I want to see what happens with this love triangle as we're chasing the society, bitch. And actually, the only thing that happens, which was still was actually cool, Garris doesn't say anything, but uh, while Garris is there watching you guys talk, Liara says, she's like, something to the effect of like, we had something together. Yeah. And and she actually kind of motions to Garris for a moment, like, she's like, but you're with him now. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's cool. And yeah. that made me, oh man, I was like, man, that's fucked up, that's an actual story. And like... How many, God knows how many people are actually going to see that interaction between these characters, unless because even I could still be romancing Garrus, but like if I didn't bring him to the oh she says something like you're with but she still say something like that she'll say you're with Garrus, but she won't like play off of the fact that Garrus is standing right there yeah I was like oh shit and uh, there's a great little conversation about how yeah you're dating Garrus. Which actually does turn into the the Renegade versus Paragon option where you can, like, hit the trigger real quick. Yeah. And it's all a bunch of hugs. It's like, Lyra starts freaking out about, like... Hug it out. Let's hug it out. So, yeah, you you get these other... These prompts where, like, Liara's, like, getting all sad because, yeah, now you're dating Garrus. At least this is what happened in my game. Yeah. And, like, it's, like, literally, like, three... uh, uh, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Paragon things in a row. And it's all, like... Hugs, hugs, hugs. I love you. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're actually so when I found out I I don't dating, have that was worth like me mistakenly dating not mistakenly but like what the fuck dating Garrus was just for that interaction. In my in my first playthrough, I I did woo Garrus because I love Garrus Vicarian. He is my favorite. Cool, I, yeah, he's my favorite dude in the Aspect Universe. I love his little Kit Kat face. But I love how it does break down where the guys like Tali and the chicks really do. Love I love Tali. Garrus. Tali really. But is... I'm saying as far as boner t- material, Tali is great. Yeah. I love her big space hips, and she's Man, the great. Mass Effect art book, the, the, the painting of uh, Tali with her big space ass, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah. And her little dinosaur legs, you know. I, I love her. That's how they make everyone semi-human in the Mass Effect games. Like, give everyone dinosaur legs. She's, and I love her three fingers. Yeah. Tali is the best. It's going to be great when she takes Tali's... off her mask and she's got three empty nostril holes. <laughs> Totally human otherwise. Nightmare but, yeah. face. No, tall. I like, I like, see, I like, what I love about Mass Effect is I love the arc of all these characters. They're all really interesting. Like, Garrus trying to be, trying to, to do, be a good man within the confines of law. They've got to have resolution for all Batman. these characters. Tali, not like, have that? Rex, I love Rex's narrative, like, trying to unite the Krogan. Yeah. Like, all of these arcs, these characters are just so satisfying. I'm so excited to see them all come to I wonder if they're going to have, like, arcs for all the other characters. Like, because you've got 12 fucking characters from Mass Effect 2. Granted, only a small fraction of them are going to be in part of your team. They'll be, they'll have But I wonder if there's going to even be something, like, where they might show up and say, Hey, I I found Curly's gold. I'm happy. That's (laughs) the end of my plot line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know if Kasumi is dating some cute guy, like some barista. I and fucking like... love Kasumi. Kasumi She's is wonderful. Character. I actually did, when I, I'm doing my Mass Effect 2 playthrough again, because we lost our original, and I'm not going to woo Shep- Garrus this time, because I want to be loyal to Liara. Because yeah. now I know that she's Well, now you can stay out of the way and let Garrus and uh, Tully go at it. Now I'm, oh, that too. And But now I'm totally taking Kasumi with me everywhere. She's great. She's so great. She sounded like, when I first heard about that DLC last year, like, she sounded like a very stereotypical character, like Asian She's lady great. who's a thief. And I was like, this is going to... Like, I was expecting her to sound like old Fu Manchu, like, oh, 
cool. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was expecting. But she's, like, just really wry and funny. Yeah. And just... She's, she's got, great. like, one of the best sense of humors of any characters in the game. She does. And she's a sentimental softie, too. Yeah. But she's also a badass. That's what I love her. She's, and like, also the she's opposite of Jack, who Jack's so, like, I No, I actually do like Jack. I know a lot of people Jack. hate Jack, but I appreciate I the fact that Jack. Jack exists in that universe. I like—I I don't know. Well, it's, they needed to explore the whole biotic thing a little more because the biotics in the Mass Effect universe is really... It's kind of a nice fucked up little subplot that they yeah. never really... They kind of just touch on and it's there and it gives Cade some background. But it's nice to see someone who's like the total raw end of the biotic. Yeah, I, that's why I like Jack. I know people hate her because she's too punk or she's too... Just doesn't fit into that tone of that universe. But why not? I mean, you kind of need someone who's kind of like the writing that goth cyberpunk edge of yeah. weirdness, which yeah. is fine with me. Yeah. Not and everyone I, can be cute and funny and to- like Tali. There's no one that I dislike in the Mass Effect universe. Like, even Miranda and her like, oh, I'm perfect. Jacob so is perfect. bland. He's not Jacob bad. Jacob is boring. He's not bad. But that's the worst thing about the characters. They might yeah. be kind of boring. But even then, like, like they're... Then you get, like, Morden singing, like, Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. And, you but, have, and like... in most other games, Jacob would be the main character. Yeah. If this were a Call of Duty game, Jacob would be like the most well-rounded character in those games, and he's like, he's like a like a third-tier character in Mass Effect Two, which cracks yeah. me up. Yeah. It's like there's I I just respect the hell out of everything they build. I'm scared for Mass Effect Three. I'm yeah. scared. Any particular reason? I'm. I can't. A part of it is the marketing, and granted, every time I like, I go back and look at the marketing, like the trailers from Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two, and they were really like not at all interesting either. Like I don't know if you remember the trailer for Mass Effect One. I went back and watched it again. Yeah, it's um a uh, Shepard receiving like a message, and he's standing in the in the CIC with like Ashley and Garrus, and he's like this is distress signals like Shepard, Shepard, you have to come save us, you have to come save us, and oh, Shepard just hangs up, and he goes fuck him, let's go, and then you sail away, and it's like oh the power of choice, but that's it, like the the Mass Effect One trailer is Shepard hanging up at a phone call and motoring away because he don't give a damn, you know, his ice cream truck <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And like from I remember the print ads. It was like it was the crew looking up in the stars, and you'd see all the stars in the sky, and like every star had like little things saying, like this this world's been destroyed, loss of contact on this world, and it says something in the print ad like oh shit, world's fucked up, yeah, yeah, or something. And it's like so like all the Mass Effect games, like what they what they advertise and what I get from them are so very different. But I can't help but be apprehensive because like Mass Effect Three, their advertising campaign is just it's just Halo Three. Like, yeah. the world is getting fucked up. Are you going to save Earth? America, fuck yeah. What really offended me was they just released a um, a live-action trailer. Oh, I heard about that. The live-action trailer is, like... Is it bad? Vaguely modern-day sort of stuff. So, like, there's a dude... There's a priest in a church. And they're, like, dudes, like, getting coffee and stuff. And then the Reapers attack. And the thing is, I'm like, that's not the culture... And this is me nerding out, but that doesn't, it's not Mass Effect. It's like, that's, but then they're trying to market to the, you know, Joe Schmo. They did a live action uh, trailer for, they did serious live action trailers for Halo. They're totally going the Halo Those are good, routes. though. Here's the thing, though. Those Halo trailers made me cry and made me want to watch. And I can now. give a shit about Halo. However, seeing that soldier, oh no, that was for Reach. Seeing that soldier, like, going from being recruited in boot Oh, yeah, camp, that, yeah, I forgot about the, that. the end, makes me cry. It still makes me cry just thinking about it. I'm yeah. tearing up a little bit. Be it just like the destruction of Earth. I, a, I don't care about Earth. I, we never I see Earth. That we spent two games not saying anything about Earth, and we see yeah. Earth. It's just scorched 
futuristic my Vancouver. Favorite, well, see, my like, favorite joke least... in, in Mass Effect is when Ashley says that her grandfather's house in Vancouver matured into beachfront property, which is a great euphemism for global warming. Yeah. But, and that's like, you know, you get these little glimpses, like you see in Kasumi's um, uh, Stolen Memories, you see like the Statue of Liberty yeah, head in his Statue collection. Of Liberty, they got a, it got blown up in like 2085. Yeah, terrorists. Yeah, terrorist. yeah. And it's just like, I love all that shit, but yeah, like, Earth that has no meaning to me getting destroyed. Like, I'll try to save Anderson. That's my context. But like, even like the, the, the demo... Like, it's just, I'm not... Well, we haven't spent any time on Earth, so even then, it's like, it, it was actually, I would be more worked up if the Citadel were getting destroyed. Yeah. Then, or, like, the Earth is But we nice. saw, they can't do but that again. But then again, what we see of Earth doesn't look like any, it's so built up and futuristic that it's not And also, it's hard for me, because, like, how are we gonna, who, how, how are we gonna defeat the Reapers? It was so hard to get the one, yeah. to kick the one's ass. Oh, do you think they'll destroy Earth? Like, have Earth get or at least mostly destroyed, and they'll have to rebuild Earth as as it depends on your playthrough, Boo. I don't know. I'm really I'm curious to see how they keep the stakes. How they keep a sense of the stakes? Because like I'm replaying Mass Effect Two, and like at least in Mass Effect One, like you're just trying to get to this beacon. You're trying to beat Saren. Yeah. But there's not really necessarily a sense of urgency to that. In Mass Effect Two, there's a there's a sense of urgency only because like the 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 colonists the colonies you're yeah, losing colonies are just colonies. getting wiped out yeah and so but it's you like don't okay there's happening. that pressure, but in Mass Effect Three it's like Earth's being destroyed. It's weird because like uh, there's there's, so... there's not time for me to find Rex's family armor well, if it's, the it's... Earth is being destroyed. The storytelling across all three games is kind of still the two because you had so much world building and everything in the first game, but the second game was so. You're essentially the plot of Mass Effect Two is a giant side mission. It's just you versus it the is. collectors. You're not really confronting the Reapers directly, or you're finding out more about the Reapers' plan by the well, end. Well, you the find game. out that the collectors are part of the Reapers, but you're not really doing anything that's going to prepare the whole universe for like the onslaught of the Reapers. Which sounds like it sounds like they could have put more of that into Mass Effect Two. Like you kind of like trying to prepare the universe for this onslaught, but it's funny that all that is in Mass Effect Three, where it's the onslaught beginning just as you're trying to convince everyone to start working together to fight the Reapers. It's just yeah. weird that like if I were in charge of the Mass Effect universe, I would have been tempted to make Mass Effect Two more about like trying to get everyone prepared, and then Mass Effect Three being the payoff to all that. Which I don't. It's, I, I'm not complaining. Like I, I, I like Mass Effect uh, Two the way it is. I'm not saying they should like it should have been something else. It's just it's an unorthodox plotting of that war it's hard to well the thing is about with the reapers is that the whole point of mass effect one was that sovereign was kind of the harbinger and like is like kind of the first speck of that onslaught and that's it and then it's going to be the onslaught yeah so like how can you really i don't know it would have been interesting to try to like go from planet to planet in in mass effect 2 and try to like at least some of the major races try to convince them but everybody is oppress is suppressing knowledge of the Reaper. No, I know, I know, I know. And it's like the whole it thing kinda, is that well, you're... no, it makes sense within that universe. No one would believe until it actually starts to happen, which yeah. seems to be that's what Mass Effect Three is about. Yeah, like everyone, no one's yeah, actually working know. together until it's pretty much goddamn too late already. Yeah, see, that's a, I, I don't know. I, I I trust them, but I can't help but be scared. I'm just a little scared. Well, also, like... Because all the marketing is not at all what I... It sounds like, for even developmentally, they kind of skimped on so much of the, the assets for, a, for, like, Dragon Age 2. I see all y'all in terms of, oh, like, Dragon Age Two dungeons, means blah. I don't know. I, I've mean never played shit it. about Mass well, Effect. Well, Mass Effect 3. One had so many regurgitated environments, and I would just hope like I hope there's not too much too much stuff that's cut and paste in Mass Effect Three. I I'd rather that's like, not my fear. I'd rather want a shorter 
linear game if it means everything I see in that game is unique. I hope you're not just visiting the same three planets over and over again. They're just kind of like retextured. I just hope we're able to get the personal story. Yeah. That's and what I'm worried about. Is everyone's is everyone to have the same essentially ending and just the details are going to be different or can you have what can you let the world get destroyed at the end of it? Like, yeah, how open are that you would be kind of cool. that game. It would be kind of cool if it's possible to have a playthrough of Mass Effect Three where you lose. Yeah, or is every, or is everyone being funneled to? You That's pretty. Win. Ball, that would be ballsy. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine it's going to be kind of like this is a bad example, but it's going to be kind of like Fable Three, where it's like you can win, but at how how are you going to win? What like cost, at what cost? Yeah. Like what what how much of civilization will be left you, or could you lose earth but save the rest of the universe they see that's a great choice i hope that would be there's choices you have to make yeah like i'm i'm down i just i don't want to lose the personal you, story like the in mass effect one you're having a conversation with ashley and she's like i'm scared of the reapers and it's so hard because i'm just a soldier i'm infantry like i can't shoot these guys how what do i do and that's the thing it's like how can you tell like I trust them, but I'm scared about being able to tell these these small, intimate stories about these people in yeah, time. Yeah, because those, those are some of the best things about Mass Effect, like what you've been saying, these little slices these little of the moments. universe. And, and it's like, how are we gonna... you could tell, like, wartime stories. Oh, slices totally. Slices of wartime stuff, which could, which could still show character and, ta- and like, like... And it's like, how does an entire universe prepare against insurmountable odds? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and that's the thing, it's like, how are they gonna fight? It was so hard to defeat one Reaper. I would assume it's got to like, be something like they, they, they either talk the Reapers down or talk there's the some Reapers War of the Worlds shit where someone develops, like, more than develops some kind of, like, virus that wipes out the, like, the... And then there's the question of, like, this is part of a... This is basically part of a cycle that... Well, even if we win, yeah, they're going to have to destroy the... Cit- or, or, or will they destroy the Citadel to make sure nothing like that ever happens again? Well, the thing is, or... the, the Reapers are the Reapers, and once you defeat them, that's that's that threat well, taken care of. But my thing is, is that, like, there's, there's something to be... Like, there's a part of me that, like, very distantly is like, oh, well, this is part of an organic cycle that basically keeps like overpopulation that like not necessarily oversimplification but it's like what happens when that cycle is broken and it's just this unbounded expansion which is kind of like would be an optimistic ending for the game where optimistic and pessimistic well because you don't know what's going to happen well Well, the universe isn't finite i mean you could just yeah I don't know. It's it was just interesting. It's like there are again these interesting questions posed. By I it. think that's I think that's most likely the end of the game is that you do wipe out the Reapers and everyone's whether or not Earth is destroyed or not, even if whether or not Shepard survives or not, it's suddenly now everyone gets to face a future that no one has actually been able to f- yeah. enjoy. Yeah. In the history of the universe, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the nicest. It'll yeah. be intense. Yeah. So so um, listener Brian Smith had asked. Um, he had tried to play Mass Effect he had, with a sequel. He had started with a sequel and tried to play through. I wonder if couldn't he's really playing get on into PlayStation it. 3 or... Um, yeah. Who knows? And he, what he had said was, um, would you recommend people begin the series with the first game despite its mixed reception among the gaming press slash uh, enthusiast Zietgeist? Um, any tips in the lo- getting in the series and not losing momentum on the first game? The first game is hard to go back to. Um, you have to It's get, pretty rough. You have to resign yourself to the fact that you're going to be submitted about... Minimum four to five hours of just lots of conversations with people on the Citadel. See, you say that. That's the only part that I like. I'm no, like, you have to bad. prepare no, yourself. No, but I'm saying I like it. So, I stayed for seven hours on the Citadel, just sucking up every last little uh, last bit of expositional juice I could get yeah. out of the characters. I like that. But I'm just saying, you're you're like you're still there's going to be some gunfights and some stuff on the Citadel. We're going to be shooting and stuff. But the game really doesn't start until like half a dozen hours in. And granted, it's not that's not Final Fantasy 13 bad, but 
I mean, granted, all those conversations you're spending on the Citadel, it builds into things that that will... You're getting exposition, exposition that you need for all three games, but it is front-loaded with... Here's... I don't think it's that expository to start. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting characters and stuff. I, I can't imagine skipping Mass Effect 1 and going into Mass Effect 2. Yeah, Mass Effect 1 Because Mass is... Effect 1 is really investing you in that Although, world. If you play Mass Effect 1 and then... Or Mass Effect 2 and then jump back to Mass Effect 1, I could see being that being a kick yeah, in the pants. that would be Because hard. Mass Effect 2 is so much more streamlined and more... Uh, just even mechanically better put together yeah. than Mass Effect 1 in terms of just, like, the UI. Mass Effect 1, you really are do spend a lot of time on the Citadel being steeped in that universe, yeah. and then you're ready to go off and explore. Mass Effect 2, you're just hopping from location to location and story to story, and it's much not as quite as focused, but it's assuming a base knowledge. Like, they say you can walk into Mass Effect 2 having not played Mass Effect 1. I can't imagine doing it. Because yeah. I can't imagine being invested There's in There's so many choices that you make in the first one, which... Beyond that. Oh. Just, I can't imagine going into that and not really... Well, there's so... Like, yeah, it, like, that really depends on how invested in that universe and those characters you want to be, too. If you're not that invested, I could see just starting off the second one. Not Why are you playing one. Mass Effect if you don't care about the world or the characters? Maybe just like shooting. The, I mean, the shooting is not very good. Yeah. It is not very good. Yeah. It's not very interesting. Yeah. Have you I played mean, Gears of War 3? Yes. I'd say that's a more interesting shooter than Mass Effect. Uh, I would. Uh, I, I don't think the shooting aspects of Mass Effect are not very good. Well, they're not fantastic, but I think they're par for the course for a third-person shooter. See, so. but par for the course is enough bad. anymore. It's like yeah. I'm not saying going out, go out of your way to play Mass Effect for the shooting stuff. That's no one what, would make that. No one would make that argument. Uh, Unless you're working for the PR department for <laughs> Bioware. <laughs> like, really. It's like, that's what cracks me up about. I mean, they, they have improved it quite a bit in, in Mass Effect 3. I was playing the demo, and the shooting is better. Man, and also, like, Mass Effect 1, uh, going back to Mass Effect 1 and the mechanics, like, you have to... that the, the shooting in that is... Every time you shoot something, the game is rolling the dice to see whether or not you actually hit them, and if you did, how much damage it is. So that's even clunkier. So even, like, that's not a shooter. That's still more of a turn-based role-playing I'd game. I'd say it's worth like playing for easy God. mode for babies. Maybe that's... It's... Maybe just to make the choices and just make the game go as fast as possible to get you to Mass Effect <laughs> Just gotta get through Mass it. Mass Effect 2, yeah. No, see, I... Because I think it, it's worth... You gotta be steeped in that world enough to get through it. And, and like, the conversations you have with Sovereign, the, the Reaper in Mass Effect 1, and that you have with the Prothean Archive Vigil, yeah. or Virgil, excuse me, um, are, like, that stuff is cool. And, like, the dialogue you have with Sovereign is one of my favorite bits of dialogue in a game. Did you see who's, uh, uh, voicing the head of the Reapers in the Mass Effect 3? No. Um. Is this a joke, or is this an actual fact that you're sharing with me? Are you about to make a joke? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna just continue talking, and we'll pretend that you made a joke I and I laugh. I his name! Parks and Recreation! <laughs> Amy Fuller? No, Sad Chick! Sad chick? Yeah, no, uh, um, the secretary. Sad chick. Oh, <laughs> April Ludgate? Yeah, April what's her Ludgate. Name? What's her name in real life? That's a funny joke, though, that I laughed no, at wait, real what's hard. No, wait, what's her actress's name in real life? I can't remember real Yeah. Moon-faced girl. <laughs> Moon-faced girl. Is she sexy, Bill? She'd be great. Yes, in a weird way. <laughs> I can see her playing something like, hey, uh. Oh, man, it'd be great if, like, Mass Effect 3, they're, like, the leader of the Reapers. Or, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's April and, uh, who's the guy who likes uh, breakfast foods? <laughs> Are you talking about Marks and Rex still? Yeah! Are you talking about Chris Pratt? Ron Swanson. Oh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. That'd actually be pretty great. Just yeah. monotone motherfuckers who could yeah. give two shits about you. That'd be funny because right. they'd be so about efficiency. What were we the actually talking about? Oh, Mass Effect 1. I, I can't imagine going into Mass also, Effect 2. Oh, God. 
Also, they they should have a mod from Mass Effect Three where it's not the Reapers, it's the Peepers. It's a bunch of perverts in space. <laughs> All I do is want to watch you bathe. <laughs> These giant like naked guys just land in the city and just like looking in your windows. <laughs> Instead of laser shooting out, it's just eye beams of like they're just blowing your clothes off. The Peepers. Uh... <laughs> yes. Dear Lord. Uh, send them anyway. To, send them to the Dallas Cowboys I love Mass room. Effect. I'm, I'm losing interest in this conversation. <laughs> no, um, no. It, Mass Effect 1 is, is, is pretty much a slug, but it's a slug, but I enjoy it. I think that it's worth it, and I can't imagine playing the other game without having played the first one. Um, when you're done with Mass Effect 3, uh, you're legally obligated to watch Deep Space Nine. <sighs> it's the closest thing to Mass Effect there is out there. Anyway, I would say, five, Brian, try to play Mass Effect 3. I would, just, even if you got to play it in, in Wussy mode just to get through it, because it's worth, there's some world building. Yeah, just buy, you can buy it for $5 used even in the Xbox Live. Just buy it to see what it's what you think of it, just to see what it, you think it's, of it. Don't worry about the, the side Citadel missions. The Citadel is much better in Mass Effect 1. Yeah, don't get put off by the tiny bit of the Citadel in Mass Effect 2 you see. The Citadel in Mass Effect 1 is this shit. It's like, don't... Uh, there's a lot of great side stuff in Mass Effect 1, but none of it is terribly necessary, and you're not losing any essential nutrients. Mass Effect 1 where you get to punch the reporter? Yes. Yes. It's worth That's it just wonderful. for that. You get to sock... Re- <laughs> you don't have to sock the reporter, but you can. And it is really satisfying to see the tiny ways your decisions come up to, to haunt you or... I was looking at the Mass Effect Wikipedia Aspect where they were talking about all the different decisions and the, the repercussions, for th- at least through in the first game of the second game and I was really impressed about yeah. how just even like subtle dialogue changes in Mass Effect 2 yeah. depending on what little tiny little things whether or not you helped someone in mm-hmm. a bar or ignored someone in the bar in Mass Effect 1 yeah. just changes like slight conversation options there's a lot of work with in these games. random other people in Mass Effect 2 because they heard something that you did yeah it's impressive and it's done very subtly you only notice so much of it but it's, it's really well done um so yes um uh Helen Motley was nice enough to send us a note about her thoughts on the Mass Effect games. Yeah, thank um, you so much, Helen Motley. Uh, and she, also, Brian Smith, you're awesome, too. She did bring up one of my favorite parts in Mass Effect 1, which is the villain of Mass Effect 1, is ostensibly, obviously it's it's Sovereign, um, this Reaper that you're fighting, but the Reaper, that is such a larger battle. See, this is where I'm concerned about. In Mass Effect 1, they they, they kind of, you fight the Reaper through their age, the agent of the Reaper, Saren, and that makes it a much more intimate sort of conflict, yeah. as opposed to this giant spaceship that, you know... D- They're d- going to send April Ludgate in their stead, and you have to fight her. <laughs> and it's going to be like uh, uh, Femship versus April Ludgate, like a knife fight. But no, one of my favorite And whoever things, loses has to leave Dodge forever. What I loved in Saren, and this was a bullshit space magic thing, but I loved Key it. Robot? When you when you defeat when you talk to, when you meet Saren at the end of the game, depending on your your either your Paragon or your Renegade points, um, you defeat him. He shoots himself because he realizes that he has become overtaken by yeah. the Reaper, and but he's and he's like all cyborgy and shit. Um, he shoots himself, and then Sovereign. It's doesn't they don't really explain how or why. Sovereign takes over his body, and it turns yeah. into like this weird ghost. Thank you for opening your cookie jar, Bill. It's like this weird, like, like skeletal, like, sarin thing they have to fight. It's such a great, ridiculous set piece. Of, it's Slightly kind of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, it's totally goofy, but it's, but it's, it's satisfying. It's kind of See, creepy. that's the thing why and people... the fact that he knows, he, like, he has a one fleeting moment of realization uh, yeah. as to what he's turned into at the end of that game. That's the most satisfying You, you get to part. see a glimmer of the specter that he was, like, yeah. this man that he was, which Yeah, he's not cool. a total hobgoblin. Kind of cool. Man, the controls were awkward in Mass Effect 1. Story's great. That's okay. The Mako is pretty ridiculous. Anytime you 
you have any vehicle combat in Mass Effect, it's always unfortunate. Did you not know that you could zoom in with the Mako's turret? I only learned that this last playthrough of Mass Effect. you get through the first game? Because, like, all those giant big Greth, Geth, uh, Brontosauruses and oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's it's good times. Brian Smith, you use the targeting thing on the Mako in, in Mass Effect 1. Snipe them, bitches. Please. Make it easier for yourself. No, Sovereign, in Mass Effect 1, I... I I enjoyed all. I love the story in Mass Effect One. It's so good. Um, um, see, the thing is, is that what I liked about I liked the Saren, the Saren robot that you fight at the end of Mass Effect One. I thought it was really great. But what cracked me up is it was a kind of a weird, out of left field thing that happens at the end. They had to fight. That's why I thought it was so great when everyone freaked out in Mass Effect Two and you fight the big Mass Reaper Effect baby. Was a stupid fucking boss. Mass Effect. It's a dumb boss, but it's exactly Does the same kind of weird out of left because, field like, what, thing. What the justification is that sometimes the Reapers will build a Reaper based off of the physiology of whoever it is they're invading. Yeah, we've never seen any Reaper that didn't look like Sovereign. Well, they no, all Bill. look like the same. Also, Bill. what do you need a giant human-shaped Reaper ship for? Well, the implication is that they they make the, they take the form of whatever their greatest threat is in the galaxy, which oh, is why it's like a baby. It's a bit human as opposed to like a Turian or something like that. Um, you why do would see. They think the humans are the greatest threat because we are. How would they know that? Because we we're the we're the thorn in their side throughout Mass Effect One. Because cause you're fucking up Sovereign. So, so you're the only because, thing between because Sovereign you fucked and up Sovereign, else. they're like, um, why don't they just make it look like uh, Shepard? You single-handed... You, it could! You don't know that it's not when it's done. Wow. That's not what Shepard looks like when her skin gets blown off. Just some <laughs> big, giant Contra robot Terminator thing. Uh, but I don't like we... the Mass Effect art book. They do suggest the original uh, Reaper boss was a baby. Wasn't a giant Terminator. It was still going to be the same idea. It's something that grows into a Reaper thing. Yeah. But you wouldn't see what it turns into yet. It would just be this giant gestating baby that I guess they were feeding liquefied people to. That was kind of silly. That hey, was kind of silly. Senior, who's the lady who feeds your fish? Uh, Kelly. I am turning an old man. Kelly, you seen her get liquefied? Yeah. You, she, Kelly got liquefied on your mission to Mass Effect. Or, like, I can't, I remember Dr. Chakwa getting melted, but maybe I'm not remembering correctly. So Dr. Chakwa, I thought she, you know what, I thought she got killed too, but then she shows up at the end for uh, the Arrival DLC. She shows up at the end of it, and I was like, what? I thought she was dead. I forgot that, like, part of uh, Mass Effect 2 during the suicide mission one of the things where you have to choose, you know, different missions for or different aspects of the mission for different people mm-hmm. is that you have to get someone to, you have to assign someone to protect Chakwa and bring her back to yeah. the ship. Yeah. So that's one of the. So she, I think, in everyone save Chakwa survives unless everyone crashes. Dark Chakwa is another my, one of my favorite characters. In, I hope you know what in Mass, in Mass Effect world. Actually, my wife and I were talking about special things we're going to do for Mass Effect Three. I think we are going to figure out we're going to have ice brandy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope, there had better be something where do. you do have the opportunity to have ice brandy with Chakwa at the end of Mass Effect. Like, <laughs> if your if your character's still alive, um, um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll give them a pass on Human Reaper. I don't because frankly, I, I got to hear like an interspecies uh, bachelor party in Mass Effect Two. I'm gonna give them a pass for the Human Reaper because it was a nice, ridiculous set piece. I liked that. Um, um, she, uh, uh, Helen points out that, um, the Harbinger was not as creepy as Sovereign. I own, the Collectors are a pretty weird villain. And all, when all is said and done, I did like the reveal that the Harbinger, that, that the Collectors are just corrupted Protheans. Yeah, that was fucked up. That was nice. I was a little bummed to see why the Protheans are just, like, kind of weird people. I thought the Protheans might be a little more alien-y. Well, they're kind of like Cthulhu-looking people. 
Oh, sorry, because they have like four eyes. Yeah. Oh, because that's what the collector. They they're, look they're like those so weird. Human, they look though. like those weird Doctor Who critters with the octopus face. Oh, the uh, the ood. Yeah. Yeah, I think you kind of see that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious because apparently you get to ha- you can have uh, some day one DLC for Mass Effect Three apparently includes a Prothean party member. You know that's a big fucking spoiler. Oh. Well, dude, I dude Casey Hudson talked about it in his Twitter feed in public. Oh, you did? Yeah, and people I was like, pissed, "Fuck you, Casey Hudson!" Been pissed off by Fuck how you, blase a lot of the news uh, outlets have been uh, saying. Oh yeah, P.S. You get to play as a Prothean in the DLC because the Protheans should be fucking dead. Yeah, they've been dead for fifty thousand years. Yeah. Anyway, no, I liked the reveal that the collectors are just, re- and I, I, I thought that was kind of cool, and I do like that final moment when you defeated the collectors, you're blowing them up, and you find out that. Assuming control, like he had con- assumed control of Harbinger, and Harbinger loses control, and he, or like he gains control of himself for the first time in God knows how many years, and he has that moment of consciousness and self awareness before he gets exploded. He orders a pizza, <laughs> but it's too, he can't get it delivered in time, <laughs> and the single trickle down space, oh, and then boom. See, it's little moments like that. that maybe, I'll give them a gr- big creepy human human baby. Who are you gonna have to? Aside from April Ludgate at the end of Mass Effect 3. See, seriously, I wonder you, how they're going to make something. any sort of scale. Man, if it, Give you Mass any Effect sort 3, of scale. if it was a conversation ending. But they can't do that because there's a whole option in the game to avoid conversations. But if, like, well, there was they... an option to out-talk someone at the end of the game, Magnifique <laughs> Bioware. I don't even care who you're talking to or what you're you, talking you about. How are you going to out-talk talk someone down from trying to cut their wrist with a pizza cutter? <laughs> if that's actually how they ended it, and that, for some reason that's how the whole end of Mass Effect 3 results are on, I'd be like, yes. Thank you for no, taking here's one of your strongest what I want. gameplay things and making that the ending of the Here's game. what I want to happen in Mass Effect 3. My wife noticed... Did I mention this podcast before? I can't remember. I don't know. Um, when My wife and I, were, when we started our Mass Effect 2 playthrough, they go through all your options, that yeah. you, your choices that you made, and one of the things when they talk about whoever you lost in the first game on the blast on um, uh, Vermeer, um, you, they talk about, you know, who died, but they say missing in actions have killed an action. Oh, yeah. I really want whoever died, quote unquote, in your first playthrough to come back somehow in Mass Effect 3. Maybe they're a reaper, giant reaper. That would, oh God. Giant robot Caden. Giant floating Caden. Giant floating Caden. Shoot him in the robot butt. <laughs> don't let him eat Earth. <laughs> don't eat Paris. No! I would There's be excited no about French that. fries, Dark Anyway, Caden. Helen did correctly point out one of my favorite parts of Mass Effect that I'd forgotten. Although I do want to say this about Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2, that opening makes me cry every time. Best, that every may time. be the best opening of a video game ever. And one of my favorite, my favorite pieces of, my favorite parts of Mass Effect 2, I actually just replayed it. There's not a lot to it, and it's not totally super polished, but I love where you get to go to the crash site in the Normandy. No. That, I love that little mission. Just the music is perfect. You get to pick up your helmet, It's so too. quiet. Yeah. No. It's just like the perfect contemplative little thing. I think it's quite a couple awesome. things are just like running around. You find you can you can you can pick up the um, dog tags of your the, your soldiers That's that what you it was. Lost. That was great. It, which is a little thing. There's not much to it, but man, it's just it makes me oh just catch yeah. my heart. Anyway, it's a shame that, that actually is like extra DLC. I mean, I can see yeah. why they put that behind the like the fire the the paywall of you having to buy a new copy, but that was really nice. That was really great. Yeah. Helen points out one of the best parts of Mass Effect Two is when you get to play as Joker. Yeah, there's yeah, a that's great... not super polished either, just because. No, but it's it's a nice. I like those. There are these moments in games where you just do totally something unexpected, and it's such a nice palate cleanser. Yeah. And it, it's it's not, what one of my favorite things about the game Enslaved. This reminded me of what I loved about the game Enslaved is that there are boss battles that you fought there where you could not defeat them; you could only get away. 
And that's oh, really? an interesting that's, cool. yeah. that's an interesting thing. What I really liked about the part with Joker is that the whole point is that you're this little hollow bone like birdman, like trying to escape these these creatures, these of un of, of terrifying force that are kidnapping your Yeah, the your rock wouldn't be able friends. to take down these guys. Much exactly. Less Joker. And all you can do is crawl away and escape. And it's just like this great do feeling of power powerlessness. He does. Okay. And it, it was a great it was a, a smart, smart decision. I mean, it's, that's Joker always. That much more. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a risky sort of thing in that sort of game to have you play as any character other than the protagonist. But it's such a smart decision. No, it's such a good man. Well done, Bioware. Well done. Well done. Um, Helen also mentions the the shitty lack of men or uh, female apparel. <laughs> <laughs> she in talked, a Bioware store? Uh, so Mass Effect, Bioware does a great job of marketing, like merchandising, you know, and like all the shirts you can buy and stuff. They they do have a sad array of ladies items. This is true. So but, just, but I'm just happy. They have a, you know. It's the like, fact that they have two different uh, g- uh, shirts for guys with two different tallies on it. That cracks me up. They I know their audience. Shirt. Well, they have a Garrus shirt. I actually got the Garrus shirt. Yeah. Um, and it's ridiculous because it's Garrus and his ridiculous, like, shoulder armor. And when you're a woman with with bustuses, um, his shoulder armor complete like covers the front of my tits. It looks like I'm wearing a Garrus bra every time. What I wear is that his shirt. face like on your tits? Well, his face is there in my chest, but his shoulders. And his oh, shoulder so it doesn't look like he's like ho- like holding back your tits. Almost yeah. like your Spider Man shirt. Exactly. It's a Garrus. You need to stop Garrus buying bra. like like symmetrical shirts with like people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop buying clothing. That's what you're saying, pretty much. No, um, but yeah, no, Mass Effect. Mass Effect. You do good on the Ferengi homeworld. So another thing, what I'm really curious about in Mass Effect 3 is that in the Mass Effect 1 and 2, you can oh, make decisions right. that will potentially affect your future allies. Like, Bill touched on this similarly a little bit before. In Mass Effect 2, you can make some jo- decisions about the Geth that could influence them. In Mass Effect 1, you have a number of options. You can, like, um, fuck up the Krogans. Um, uh... You can uh, the Rachni. You meet a, the ra- last remnant of the Rachni, and you can save yeah, her. Yeah, I, I just want. I, just, I drew a quick, brief list of the uh, decisions you can make in the first two games and what we decided to do. Uh, we're actually getting into the home stretch of this podcast. Um, MS Effect One: uh, Spare the Rachni Queen. What did you do? Um, Harriet Shepard was like, "Fuck that bitch." Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, your your primary playthrough. Yeah, Harriet Shepard vented vented the bitch. I really? feel bad about that, but Harriet, I know, I know they're going to sing the songs of my death. All throughout the first two Mass Effects, I did everything I could to preserve people, assuming that I would need I their know. help. See, it's which, like, which, actually, I'm kind of hoping for, at least in one or two of those situations, that might backfire, may cause that more problems. That would be kind of cool. So in, instead of being like, uh-huh, you should have been nicer to everybody. It made me really sad, because my, my secondary shepherd, Nick, when yeah. she's running around like the Citadel or Ilium in Mass Effect 2, you meet the representative of the Arachni, uh-huh. who comes up and she talks to you about how the Arachni are all happy. Maybe, and that actually almost, I was like, oh man. And then she spits uh, spider webs in your face. Oh god. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, when... I spared the queen. You did? She's kicking around because I was like, queen, I might need your help in the third <laughs> game. Yeah. Um, uh, you can, um, uh, on or Rex gets all PO that you're going to um, potentially eliminate a cure to the genophage. Yeah. Um, and you have the choice to either Any... kill him or save him. What did you do? I don't know anyone who killed Rex. How can no. you kill Rex? Rex is awesome. I think I, I, I think I somehow maneuvered myself into a situation where I had to kill Rex, 
uh, in my first, the first time I was going through that, and something happened where I think I shut off my Xbox and I forgot to save, <laughs> but it gave me the option to, yeah, I didn't to intentionally shut it off just to reset it. When I came back, I was like, oh, I have an option to bring him back. Like, yeah. I could ch- I could change whatever dialogue conversation there was there. And so I did, and uh, he, yeah, yeah. Rex is great. I love I Rex. Him. Yeah. Shepard. Shepard. Um, uh, so kill Ashley or Caden, who, who made it in your, so I mentioned you've, before. You've always saved Caden? Every time, which we didn't realize until we're like, man, every single playthrough we killed yeah, Ashley. Yeah. Well, and then this last, we, we went back when I realized I lost my Harriet Mass Effect 2. I looked at my Mass Effect 1 save. I found a save on Vermeer. that was early enough that I could change who lived. So I decided, eh, hey, let's have one where Ashley lives. Maybe she can be my, my girlfriend in Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I nuked Caden. Because I was, you know what? It was a typical guy thing. I was like, you know, there's already too many guys on the ship. (laughs) You know, Femship, my Femship is a Femship. Me, I'm like, I'm a penis playing this game. I want more ladies around. Dead. Poor kid. Poor kid. I I can never even remember his name. I remember Ashley's name, but I'm always like, there's Ashley and there's brown haired man. Caden. He has black hair. Are you colorblind? You're an artist. Why? Anderson's white. (laughs) Anyway, um, so the council. Did you save the council or kill the council? Oh, I let the council die. You don't kill the council, right? Is it more that like you do something? Oh no, you can kill the council. You can just basically like. There's a point where you can either choose to send in the alliance fleet. See, that's the thing. Not only are you choosing to save the council or sacrifice the council, but you're saving. At the end of Mass Effect One, at the end of Mass Effect One, you can save the uh, the council at the expense of pretty much the entire alliance fleet. So you're fucking up the alliance. Oh no! I well see, like I can't distinctly remember, but whatever it is, the council did not survive, and I remember tap dancing on their grave when that <laughs> happened. I don't think I want. Yeah, I think that's what because like you know what this fleet versus like half a dozen assholes and didn't know what the yeah. fuck they're doing the whole game. Adios, motherfuckers. See, in my in our first canon playthrough, we let them die, and and then, but it was kind of weird because then you have this whole speech about like, oh, well, now humanity is gonna kick a lot of ass and take its place, and I was like, totally freaked out by that. So when we went and did did it again, I was like, yeah, let's set the council up. Those fuckers in Mass Effect Two, they're like, yeah, whatever, Reapers, no big deal. They like totally suppress knowledge of the Reapers. Yeah, like man, I think there's, I think there may be three Turian separate variations where you can let the council die, you preserve the council, let it die. And I think there's something either, like, you could let more aliens, like, refill the council, or you can replace the council entirely with human beings? No. You can join the council. Can you? Yeah. Whatever I did, uh, the other aliens in the Citadel are not happy with me, because they're talking about how humans are in control. It's because humans take over. The Citadel, the council dies, and humans take over. The, I, I don't know exactly what I did, but that doesn't You really killed the council. Oh, you killed the council. council. That's but what thought, happens. I thought, but in refilling the council, I thought no, there no, were two no, different no. options There's no more that. council. Humans have taken over. I know Anderson's the head of the council. No, no, no. There's, there's no more there. council. You no, get to choose who you put in charge. It's either Anderson, it's Anderson. or or um her no. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Larry. I Larry. Don't even remember well, that. no. And when so at I the was end, like, they whoever's end... the least black, I'm gonna put in charge. <laughs> and now I feel betrayed. Well, I can't. Oh shit! What's his name? Stonky. <laughs> Um, does not matter. Obviously, anyway, obviously, it's so essential to everyone's remembrances of that game. Yeah, uh, political guy. Anderson versus uh, it's Wes Anderson versus. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, in Mass Effect Two, your big choices are um uh, you can save or destroy Morden's Krogan Genophage cure. See, I haven't. I'm replaying Mass Effect Two. I haven't made any of these. Decisions what are you gonna do? Yet. What did you do before? I think we. S- 
saved it. Yeah. With the same sort of theory of I need more allies. What's the worst that's going to happen? The Krogans are going to take over the galaxy. You're going to get three games where you're fighting the Krogans. (laughs) Fine with me. There we go. I'm down with fighting Krogans. I already killed a couple Krogans. I can deal with fighting a whole war with them. I obviously I saved the goddamn cure or date or whatever the fuck. See, I I tr- this I trust Rex and I trust his guidance. So you racist motherfucker. Did I trust Rex? No, that you that you destroyed the data. Oh wait, what did you just say? I'm saying I was probably this cookie that I'm eating is so delicious. <laughs> so good. It's wiping out all the memory in the rest of my brain. Um, another choice you have is preventing or allowing Tali's exile from the Korean. Fleet. I got this from Wikipedia. I do not remember this decision. Well, I think whatever I did. You defend her during that. Um, I'm sure whatever I did, I white knighted the fuck out of Tali. That Tali is awesome. Tali's great all the time, always. This is well. She's part of. She's now Talia. Tali Vas Vas Normandy. Yeah. Is this? Is there? Does this suggest that like she doesn't always have to be that way? That she stays well, part of the. Well, either fleet? way, she goes with you. But the question is, is whether she is allowed to be a part of the. the because now, no, she's anymore. she's officially the Vos Normandy in my game. Well, that's I think that's true regardless. Oh, it's just that her name is just she just happens to be a part. Because you're, you're oh, okay. Because yeah, I maybe I don't know. I I have no idea what I did. I can't remember either. I haven't gotten this part of the game. <laughs> We're awful at this. So, um, another thing with Legion, um, you can destroy or preserve the Heretic Geth Collective. I love this this story in Mass Effect. I like the Geth. That with the Geth, it's like the, where it basically the whole point of this 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 um, divide in the Geth is that like it's basically like this mathematical equation where it's yeah. like to the like the percentile, it's like point three 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 four versus point three 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 three, and that that is the cause of this fissure. Did you see one of the DLC? things from Mass Effect 3 is going to be finding out the origin of the Geth and it turns out to be the lamp from the Pixar logo. <laughs> I like that joke. But anyway, you can you can uh, choose to um, ca- like basically um, o- uh, override and upload a virus re- yeah, that will reprogram, reprogram the, them the so they're no Geth, longer so they're good. Yeah. Well, quote unquote good. I let them live. Yeah, they're still running around out there. I think. In I my think. Game. I. Cr- I think. I did not destroy them. I don't know if they're reprogrammed or not, but I made it so yeah. they could still come back and fuck people up. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did too. I don't know yeah. what I'm gonna do, man. I know these it's, are hard decisions. Two years since this, this is a hard decision. Um, at the end of the game, when you have defeated the collectors, and there is this collector base. Destroy. I forgot. You can this. hand it over to Cerberus. Oh, this is what gets like this is either puts you in the good graces or pisses you off with yeah. the uh, illuminated man. Yeah. Is that his the name? elusive man? Elusive man. Um, yeah, basically you can, the you can give Cerberus this. He's got, this, he's got this gold crazy man on his nipples. <laughs> this crazy base. I don't know. Can does anyone like Cerberus? Like really? Like no. I, the elusive I man is such an joy in going. Hey, illuminated hey, man. Fuck you. See my finger? <laughs> See this? Destroy the fuck out of collector baseball. <laughs> hey, you know what? Guess what? I'm alive and thank you so much. But fuck you. Yeah, I totally beep. nuked the site Kaboom. from orbit. Boom. Yeah. After all that shit, you go through that game and not Well, especially that place. having the hindsight of what? the Arrival DLC and knowing that pretty much all of Cerberus has been indoctrinated. Yeah. Can you imagine if you make that choice to save it and then Cerberus was, is indoctrinated? I wonder if, like, you decide to keep the base around. That, like, kicks you in the ass in Mass Effect. It's gotta. Yeah, because they've got all those resources. Finally, uh, the least interesting and least essential <laughs> uh, decision is the multitude of decisions stemming from the suicide mission at the end of the game. Who lived and who died at the end of your Mass Effect 2 game? My first playthrough at the end. Um, uh, That's right, because you could fix all this now. Well, well, my, well, I, I played the end of Mass Effect three times. 
No, which well, was Mass a pain Effect in the 2. ass. Well, Mass Effect 2. I played it three times with that oh, Harriet the first time. Because the first time, oh, Morden mean, died. Oh, okay, yeah. And I was like, fuck that, Morden's not dying. I go back in, Tolly died. <laughs> and yes. finally, finally, and I couldn't figure out because I went through all the walkthroughs. I did everything right. So what I wound up doing in, in the finally, I just took Morden and Tolly with me at all times. And then they both made it out alive. That's Who else died, though? No you one. don't care? Oh, that's oh, it. Oh, no, I saved her. No, my crew got, got toasted. Oh, you mean the, the Normandy's crew, but your squad, yeah. like the 13, the dirty Five. dozen. Yeah. Yeah. I really want One of the things I wanted to do with the Bruce Shepard playthrough, I really wanted to go through and have Shepard die. Because I was really curious to how the hell they do Mass Effect 3 with Shepard dead. Yeah, now you know. They just replaced it with James Vega. Is that, is that, has that been confirmed? <laughs> Fiesco no, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's what like, it was, that's if, what I assumed. They, they said if you uh, that's what like I even assumed. go back and playing the Mass Effect three demo. Yeah, if you essentially just cut out all the parts where Vega is talking to Shepard. Yeah, it's just pretty much him just kind of sitting by a window, and then Anderson shows up and was like, Vega, oh. boy, it's such a shame since uh, President Shepard died. <laughs> What's your name? I don't know. It's been so long since she died uh, fighting a collector base. That was the implication. Come help you. And then, like, like yeah. Okay. That's how that game starts if you played uh, as, if you, if you wiped out Shepard. How did your, how did your crew make it out? I don't know what the hell happened, but I, everyone survived. In my first attempt through that end, Man, everyone survived. You. Granted, my, yeah, my whole crew is dead. Uh, Helen Mirren got liquefied. <laughs> no one left to feed the fish. But I got Chakwas in. I uh, know I wait. Chakwas have... Helen Mirren. Chakwas Helen Mirren. What well, are you doing? Oh, wait, who's Helen? Who's the lady who feeds your fish? Um, Hermione. Starts no, I can't with an remember H. her name. It's Pork not face. Helen. Is she beautiful like Scully? Hate <laughs> <Ain't> you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, no, she got liquefied. Man, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Kelly Clarkson. She's fucking good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just the first, I, I have an achievement too. That was one of the most satisfying achievements is getting out of, the, I think you get an achievement on Xbox Live yeah. for getting out with everyone alive. Oh yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, because you know, that's such intense atmosphere. And I, I remember hearing other people complaining about, oh my God, what the fuck my game? Like half my guys got wiped out. I got wiped out. Shepard's dead. What the fuck? And I'm going through like playing the ending of the game. I'm like, I don't know what's supposed to happen because no one spoiled for me what happened. So I just yeah. know. That people were dying left and right, and I just squeaked on by, and I was like, <gasps> and "Like I was so happy when it worked out that like yeah, and I didn't have to like restart or anything like that. I just happened to get the perfect ending, well, quasi perfect, not good yeah. for my crew, yeah. but for my team, yeah, yeah, everyone survived. So I'm not missing any characters going to Mass Effect Three. Man, man, Mass Effect. I'm so excited. I'm try. I'm so scared. What if it's not good? Then we just start no, 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 no. pinning all no, our hooks on Bioshock Infinite. No, look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. It'll at least be fun to play. I'm so scared. These trailers, they keep stressing Earth. Earth is destroyed. Earth. Like you said. The trailers, shooty, shooty, bang, bang. I don't, want, I don't the care ads, about shooty. I'm just, I'm just hoping that they, two years was enough for them to put together a good game. Oh, I wasn't, mean, the first, wasn't Mass Effect 2 put together in two years, so yeah, I shouldn't be complaining that they've much. They've all been. I mean, they're good at this. And yeah. they've had this story planned from the start. Yeah, but this is a pretty big make-or-break game for Bioware right now. Because, like, there's a lot of people looking for an excuse to hate on Bioware right now for God knows whatever reasons. Dude, Old Republic was their make-or-break game. This is gravy. They're going to make they're gonna make Mad Bank and do fine regardless. Well, I'm just talking about with their reputation with gamers. At least console gamers. Hmm. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be fine. I had an I'm, but I'm scared. <laughs> something about, man, I had an important thing to make about something about one of the DLC things about the plot. One of the DLC Arrival. missions. Arrival. Arrival was not arriving? interesting. Something, something, something. I don't know. Uh, 
I can't remember what it was. I had a point <laughs> to make about continuity, about something getting fleshed out in one of the Mass Effect Oh, they DLCs. totally, they retcon a lot of stuff in Mass Effect. It's fine. They'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. No. It was like, Cerberus in, in Mass Effect 1 is like a black ops agency that just goes rogue and becomes like yeah. this this splinter cell. But there was going to be something else that, that happened in one of the DLC missions for Mass Effect 2 that I liked as far as like story fleshing out. That, that you did like or did not like? No, I did like. Especially the Arrival... The arrival gameplay wise was stupid, but I appreciate what, what they were doing with the story there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the layer of the shadow. Oh, layer of the shadow broker. That environment when you actually get to see what the layer of the shadow broker is. Yeah. I just beat that this morning. That is That's one of the rad. best video game environments I've ever seen. It's really rad. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't downloaded layer of the shadow broker. We spoiled everything else what about Mass Effect. That's a co- like on this big stormy gas planet that is currently uh, constantly riding a line between the, the, the meridian between the light side of the planet and the dark side of the planet where it's yeah. like boiling hot and ice cold. Yeah. And so it's just perpetually flying through this like crazy thunderstorm at the edge of this yeah, like, planet on the, in the, in the, in the, yeah, on the dusky horizon of this planet. And you're on the ship and you're actually fighting on the hull of the ship. You're fighting yeah. Cerberus bad guys. Yeah. And you have Liara with you, so she's throwing guys off the ship, and they're flying off in the atmosphere. That's awesome. Roiling yeah. clouds and stuff like that. That was fucking fantastic. It's a beautiful piece of DLC. Yeah. Oh, and supposedly, I have not read uh, the the excerpts, but supposedly after you beat the Shadow Broker, Liara gives you uh, access to the Shadow Broker's files to the members of your crew. Yes. No, they're great. Go read them all. You get to read their emails and shit. I've I've heard people talk about this. Supposedly it's fucking bonkers where it's all just silly shit about Oh your no, crew. it's fantastic. It's so enjoyable. And that's like, one of my favorite things is that you go when you go into her bunker and you look you can look at all the um uh Security footage, like surveillance footage of See, all I over. I, I had to stop this right before Dylan showed up. So I'll, I, actually, I'm going to be firing this up right after I edit and upload the podcast. There's a piece in the surveillance footage you're cycling through that's actually the Krogan bartender looking longingly at a picture of Liara. Aww. And that tells a beautiful little story right there. Aww. I love Mass Effect! I love it so much! Oh my god! We'll see if you like it in two oh. weeks when we come back and do the Mass Effect 3 spoiler cast. Oh, Mass Effect, I love you so much. I love you, Turians and Krogans. You gotta give a notebook in as to what and, decisions you and, make in Mass Effect 3. And and Quarians and Asari. Volus. And Volus. And Hanar. Alcor. And Alcor. And even Batarians. I love you all, Mass Effect. I love you. I love you, Alliance. I love the weird redesign of your, of your, of your, of your uniforms, Alliance. Ugh, Mass Effect. So good. Thank you guys for listening to us whine interminably about Mass Effect. Mass Effect. I love, I love Mass you. Effect. Tali's face. If they reveal show? Tali's face, I will shoot them all. Why? They should not show Tali's face. What do you face? think it's going to look like? You know they're going to show it. No! Wasn't it, wasn't it up for a vote online? It won't, it's an online poll. Dear Lord. If they show Tali's face, I'm leaving the internet. What if it looks like Scully? hate you all right everybody boy howdy podcast <laughs> at boy howdy podcast on the twitter we're howdy at boy howdy org. um thank y'all for listening to another one of our piffling rambling things we gotta go scan for some oars that's right kapoo everybody Bro, enjoy mass Peace. effect everybody okay. see you guys love you Throw away, away, away. You wanna see if I've got, got them in the Throw away. I'm, I'm Commander Chef, Chef, Chef. Throw away, away, away.